Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Silva and Gold. Coming to the ring from parts unknown at a combined weight of 853 pounds, Piccolo and Dr. Zong. Right through the vestibule, tickling your cochlea. What? I don't know. This is the loaf with me, the Zom. Hey, people! We are back for hey. another week of our half-assed, somewhat mildly entertaining, filthy show, Silver and Gold, episode twenty-one. This week, what are we doing this week? Oh, yeah. We got a couple of uh, In the Navy films. Cinderella Liberty from 1973, starring a lovely mustachioed James Caan. And uh, another film from 1973, starring a lovely mustachioed and already going bald Jack Nicholson, also from 73. So, uh, yeah, those are, uh, those are fun. So, so, so how are you, Zom? Uh, doing all right. Uh, get waiting for the snow. It's gonna snow. It's been raining. It's very, very rainy outside. Um, not doing too bad. Trying to uh, shed some girth. Uh, so far, I've been pretty. Su- uh, I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm. I think I'm being successful. I'm being a bit extreme because I'm an extremist. Uh, <laughs> some of the things I do, I, I am. I, I get to the extreme, and I'm trying to motivate people. We do it, we're doing it by teams, and uh, hopefully we'll get some uh, help from some of the less enthusiastic people that decided to join up. <sighs> Can't be a fatty all your life. Uh, yeah, you can. Um, yeah. I'm living uh, proof. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, pretty uh, generic week for me. Um, not a whole lot going on. We have some uh, regional Indian films opening at the theater tonight, and I'm not looking forward to that. One of them... Well, one of them opened last night. That fucker is three hours and 20 minutes long. And that keeps me there very, very late. So Ow. they don't start until like 9.30 at night. So. Always fun uh, having to herd people into theaters to watch some shitty three-hour movie. So I don't know. They might be good. They don't have subtitles. I can't fucking watch them anyway. So I fucking... Subtitles. Yeah, subtitles. Who wants to read a damn movie? Yeah, yeah. yeah, my sister said that the other day. I told her, I said, watch the original Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. It's really good. It's on Netflix and to watch. I don't want to read a movie. Oh, my God. I, I, I have a friend um, who definitely never listens to this show, but she... Uh, she she hot? No. She... Um, 
Well, good thing she doesn't listen to the show <laughs> with that answer. Not my type, but she, um, she until she's uh, I don't know forty two. She never had seen until we showed her this French uh, uh, horror film called Mutants. I think uh, last year never had seen a subtitle movie in her life. So and she liked it. So I don't know if she's watched more since then, but. Hey, my sister reads fucking books all the time, but you know, I don't know. Whatever. Whatever. So, whatever. Uh, so, sir, what have you been watching this week? Well, I would have been watching more because I got my Roku. And, uh, but what I did find though is that they have, um, the first season of Law and Order on there. So it took up a lot of time <laughs> because I, I have a bunch of the other ones. Um, for some reason, when they did the box sets on DVD, the first one they started with, I think, was the second season. Mm-hmm. They didn't have the first, so I've been watching that. But I did manage to watch a few movies, a couple. Uh, the first one I watched was uh, – this was inspired by uh, Large William Smith uh, in Toronto, Canada, or somewhere around Toronto. He claims Toronto, but I think it's somewhere around there. <laughs> Um, over where the, over by the Maple River, um, the movie is called Fetishes, and uh, I remember Will talking about his uh, proclivity for fetishes and how he likes to, um, you know, the Cat of Nine Tails and the uh, leather mask with the zipper on the mouth and stuff like that. Or no, wait a minute, he said that he's not into that, but he just likes. Um, wait a minute, did he say? I can't remember. I think he said he actually liked that stuff. They like doing it. It's either that or he just likes knowing about it. So anyway, <laughs> this was by Nick, Broomfi- or, uh, Nick Broomfield, and uh, he did uh, several documentaries that I have watched uh, that were uh, pretty good. Uh, the Eileen Warnos uh, documentaries, um, he did those, and he did a couple about uh, this asshole right-wing uh, sort of uh, oh Nazi uh, guy in um, – South Africa, Eugene Terreblanche, uh, who he did two on him, and the guy actually ended up getting uh, hacked to death just a couple of years ago by some farmers over there. And he was a dick. He just—I uh, hate to say he deserved it, but he was a fucking asshole. Um, next one I watched was a, a, a classic. I think it's a classic. It's called Apocalypse Now. And um, never heard of it. <laughs> now listen. I, any other person would say that, and I would think they were joking. <laughs> Are you sure you haven't seen this? Anyway, um, it's on Netflix Instant Watch, and I wanted to watch it on the big screen. And uh, one of the reasons I wanted to watch it uh, that really uh, – for some reason I was thinking about the other day when Harrison Ford was in it, the scene at the beginning with him and um, – oh, shit. The guy who died just recently that played the uh, coach in North Dallas 40, and I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but he's been a ton of shit. Um, Let's see. I wanted to see that, and uh, it's just a—it's just a good movie. Marlon Brando is fucking awesome in it, and Martin Sheen was fucking awesome. Also, he was just pretty cool. Um, let's see. Next movie I watched was on a recommend from just about everybody in our community, and that was the movie, the documentary Senna. Um, never have even heard of this guy, and I was kind of pissed because I thought that uh, Mark Kermode. Um, I think it was him, uh, actually said in one of his reviews uh, about the, the uh, Senna, his uh, ultimate fate. But uh, it, they, I mean, at the, in the first minute of the movie, you know, 
they talk about what happened. So it really doesn't give that much away. But man, it, it was it, a good movie. They do they do a really good job of keeping you tense because mm-hmm. you, you knowing that he dies beforehand yeah. makes the makes the documentary work better. I think. And I will say, I mean, I, I got a little dusty eyed, uh, got a little dust in my eye there toward the end. It, it was very emotional. Uh, next one I watched was uh, on uh, also on the Roku on the big TV. Uh, it's called uh, A Cry for Love with Susan Blakely and Powers Booth. Um, this was the, the the hook that got me on this one was, of course, Powers Booth's in it, and I like him. And um, it was about uh, addiction, uh, drug and alcohol addiction, and uh, but it, it, it's good. But it is a uh, it's like a a blast from the past because uh, it's a uh, made for TV movie from like say the early eighties, maybe late seventies, early eighties. Uh-huh. But Powers Booth was still good in it, and it's it's a it's a pretty good movie. Uh, next one I watched was uh, pretty much um, Hollywood, um, you know. I hate to say I don't want to say popcorn or bubblegum action movie, but there was a movie SWAT, Samuel L. Jackson, Jeremy Renner, and Colin Farrell, and Michelle Rodriguez, and she actually looked pretty attractive in this movie. Um, uh, ma- ma- main reason I watched this one was just to see Renner. I- I've seen it many times before, and it's it's a fun movie for it's just a you know action movie. It's you know, um, but I, I liked it. Um, you know. Uh, it's not an Academy Award winner or anything, but you know it's fun. Uh, next one I watched uh, da, 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 the movie uh, Blowout with John Travolta, very young John Travolta. Did you, uh, get, the, did you get the Blu-ray? No, I, I got the cheapy at, at um, I think Big Lots. Oh, cool! I bought the uh, I bought the Criterion Blu-ray. It's really good. Well, this is uh, Brian De Palma, and um, this was Travolta. He made this movie after Grease and after Saturday Night Fever. At first, I was telling my friend that I thought this was one of the first movies that he made um, after Welcome Back, Cotter. But it was actually after he hit it really big on the screen with those two movies. Um, And it was sort of one – it might have been like one of the last movies he made before he kind of hit the skids there for a while. And he made – Look who's talking! You know the one about the talking baby with Kirstie Alley or whatever, or those movies, um, and they were successful, but they were really. Low. But then he went on a real run of some movies that didn't hit before he came back with Pulp Fiction. But uh, mm-hmm. uh, this was a re um, tag teaming of him and uh, Nancy Allen. Uh, they had been the bad couple in Carrie. Um, which you know was pretty good, and I always liked Nancy Allen. I thought she was pretty sexy in Carrie, even though she was a total bitch. And uh, but in this one, she's just a, a real uh, dopey bubblehead prostitute. And John Lithgow steals the show. He's the crazy right wing asshole assassin Republican out of control guy. Uh, Dennis Franz is in this, and he's skinny or not skinny, but he's skinnier. He's stocky skinny. <laughs> Um, but it's still, you know, Brian De Palma. It was a good movie. Stocky skinny. That's what they kind call of. Uh, That's what they call me. A, yeah, stocky skinny. He. Uh, it, this would be a good companion piece for uh, the conversation with Gene Hackman, I think, because sort of the same type of thing uh, with uh, voyeurism and listening in or watching and da da da. Um, next one. This movie was my pick of the week last week that I've been posting lately, and I never heard of it. I got it on Netflix on DVD and actually, you know, had it sent to my house. So I watched it. It was called My Dog Tulip. And um, it uh, is based on a novel by J.R. Ackerley. And, um, oh, fuck. God damn it. Uh, I'm drawing a blank. Um, uh, 
God damn it. Hang on. What's that? Christopher Plummer. That's the reason that I, one of the reasons I got it is uh, I really like Christopher Plummer, his career resurgence. Uh, and then when I got it, I was like, holy shit, this is a, an animated movie. And I, and, um, I was going to watch it with some friends. I said, hey, it's an animated movie, but it, it got some you know, good reviews. And we watched it, and we all loved it. It's really good. It's funny, and uh, it's touching. It's funny. It's all about a guy, that, uh, an older guy, uh, that finds kind of a, like a mongrel. Uh, or, uh, no, I think it was like a purebred Alstation uh, pup and raises it, and he documents all the things about it and his friendship and all the stuff. It's a good movie. And what was the name um, of it? Uh, My Dog Tulip. Hmm, I haven't seen that. Uh, I think it might have been Criterion. I'm not sure. Um, the next one I watched was not Criterion or anything else. Uh, it was called Catch 44. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bruce Willis, uh, Forrest Whitaker, uh, uh, Malin Ackerman from The Watchmen, and... Uh, this this uh, just reeks of someone uh, trying to be the next Quentin Tarantino. It jumps back and forth through time, like Pulp Fiction, a bunch of times, and uh, it just um, it just doesn't get it for me at all. Uh, there was one scene in it where these girls are driving down the road, and of course Bruce Willis is in the movie. He's one of the stars of the movie, and uh, they're playing. The one girl's playing music on her um, in her look like a brand new BMW. And the other girl goes, oh, turn that shit off. I got some good music for you. And she pulls out a cassette of Bruce, a Bruce Willis cassette of that fucking, was it Respect Yourself or whatever <laughs> yeah. song he did? Okay. And I'm like, okay, I'm sure that BMW has a cassette player in it. And I didn't think that song was that good anyway. And uh, Forrest Whitaker does some different accents in this that would like um, – that movie, uh, what, 88 Blocks or whatever with fucking Moe's Deaf and Bruce Willis. When Moe's Deaf like like that through the whole movie. It didn't irritate me that much, but it was close. He he does like a Spanish accent, uh, faking like he's Spanish. Like he talks like Tony Montana, right. and it gets really annoying. Uh, next one, I watched The Debt again with some friends that had never seen it. I've seen it. That's my third time watching it. I still love it. I thought it was really good. Um, I can see a lot of people said uh, – because it – it goes back in time, uh, and they have, it's basically two guys, uh, Mossad agents, two guys and a girl. And um, um, was it, that, is it Jessica Chastain? I can't remember what her name is. She was in The Help, uh, nice, good-looking blonde with big boobs mm. in The Help, and she's in this. Um, she was really good. Um, but some people said they were confused because um, the – Two young guys, when they get older, they get confused of which one is which. And I think I figured it out because um, the one guy that they have playing, uh, well, when he's young, his character when he's older, the the older guy actually looks more like you could think that he was the other guy. Mm-hmm. So it, it, you know, it, it, it's it is a little confusing, but you know, eh, not that confusing. It was a good movie. Um, and that movie actually was made a long time ago, uh, I think in Israel. It's an it's a, a Israeli movie and with subtitles. And so if you can find that, it's out of print. But uh, I'd like to see it to see what it's like. Uh, next one was called uh, Let's Get Frank. It was a documentary that was really fucking good on Netflix Instant Watch about Barney Frank, uh, the senator or uh, congressman. Right, and, right. Uh, um, He's retiring, right? 
Yeah, and not only I thought it would just be mostly just about him and you know him being gay and stuff like that, um, but it it does cover that that part. But it also parallels the story that parallels it is the Monica Lewinsky Bill Clinton thing and how absurd absurd that thing was. But it's a really good doc. I I I mean I actually watched it and thought, man, I like to watch that and get yeah, very interesting. And he's pretty entertaining. He's funny. Um, Crazy Stupid Love. I uh, watched that one. I got that one from Netflix on Blu-ray and watched it. Uh, that's Steve Carell and Ryan Gosling. And um, I had not heard that much about it, and I thought that the uh, trailer looked good. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just too goddamn long. <laughs> it's two fucking hours long, man. Oh, and it, wow. it it just it, – it, for me, it, dra- it was dragging. It had some funny stuff in it. But uh, Ryan Gosling was really good. He was the best part. Uh, I watched I Like Killing Flies again, which I've already talked about. I've watched that documentary. I don't know how many times. Kenny Shopson, uh, his little greasy spoon uh, restaurant in New York uh, where he creates just a million different dishes, and he's funny as shit. He's just real – you know, he said, uh, the first thing you have to do in life is uh, realize that you're a piece of shit. Everybody's a piece of shit. And once you realize that, you'll, you'll be better <laughs> off. Uh, so it's pretty good. Uh, and his whole family and everything. And that, there, was a, there was an emotional moment in that one that I forgot about because I'd seen it. And I was watching it the other day. And maybe I'm just turning into a big puss. I'm talking as fast as Emily right now because I want to get this over with because I have a lot of them. Uh, <laughs> Witness for the Prosecution. Uh, this uh, was inspired by Terry Frost. Uh, he reviewed a Tyrone Power movie and was talking about that. And it has Marlena Dietrich in it also, and Charles Lawton is really good in it. Uh, it's my one of my friend Diane, my oldest friend on the hum, on the planets. Uh, one of her favorite movies. And uh, then I watched uh, for Metal Mikey's sake. I watched uh, Star Trek Nemesis again uh, with Tom Hardy, and uh, I still liked it. Um, it's just a, a fun movie, and I'm not that big into uh, Next Generation Star Trek, but I thought it was good and it had some it had some emotional moments in it. <laughs> And uh, right now I have uh, sitting in front of me from Netflix, which I will watch and talk about next week. It's a movie called A Stranger is Watching uh, with Rip Torn and Kate Mulgroon. And it is from 1982. It's an old one. Rated R. So anyway, that's it. I had a lot more than I thought. Do you have to call home and get permission before watching Rated R movies? Uh, Yeah, my mom. She says, you can't watch anything unless it's rated X. Oh, um, let's see. Oh, Parker. <laughs> what I watched this week. Um, I, uh, I watched the, uh, born to controversy, the Roddy Piper story, uh, documentary on an in, in instant, uh, starring Roderick George Toombs. Um, <laughs> you mean he's not from Scotland? Uh, he's a, he's a Canuck. Yes, he is. Um, and it was good. I mean, it, I, I don't know that. There's some of those WWF documentaries that uh, I think would be more interesting for somebody that might not be a wrestling fan. This mm-hmm. one, if you're not a if you're not a wrestling fan, I don't know about this one. It's 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 some of it's not super well done. It says it was directed by Vince McMahon. Maybe that's the difference. Um, there's a guy that does them all now, mm. uh, Kevin something. Kevin Kelly. Kelly. I think maybe I don't know somebody somebody uh, else directs a lot of those things now and they're they've they're done a little better. This one yeah. was this one was okay. I liked it a lot because I I'm, I like Roddy Piper a lot mm-hmm. and God some of the stuff that he <laughs> he would say like about Mr. T he said they'll you know saying to Mr. Or, well about Mr. T he was on a one of those like mock late night talk shows that the WWF would do in the eighties yeah yeah and he said uh, he's like oh Mr. T. Uh, 
now why why somebody would want to wear uh, wear that many chains not you know since, not since his uh his ancestors yeah has anybody worn that would, many chains? he would he would go to the <laughs> racist route to get heat and bad oh, news my. bad news allen there they called him bad news brown in the in the wwe uh, Alan Coage, yeah. he was a uh, like a bronze medalist in the Olympics in judo, and he just about beat uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper's ass really bad. That was the because, painting your half his body black. Yeah, he yeah. was fucking pissed off about that. Oof. And so. they said uh, bad news. Allen was the the. Uh, well, let's just put it this way. They were riding on a bus in Japan, and uh, Andre the Giant was using the N-word like because uh, he was drunk. And Bad News Allen told the bus driver, stop the bus. And he told Andre the Giant, get off the bus. I'm going to kick your fucking ass. And Andre <laughs> wouldn't do anything. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I, I like Bad News Brown a lot. There was a customer that came in the, in the Apple store whose last name was Brown. He looked exactly like like him. And, well, he's dead, so. <laughs> well, I know, I know. And this guy, this guy would have been way too young. Um, but I said to him, I was like, I, was, I, 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 I was totally risking it, offending You're somebody. Like, but I, dog. I, was like, I was like, did you ever watch wrestling in the '80s? There was this, there was this wrestler, Bad News Brown. You look so much like him. With he had the shaved head, the big black beard. I mean, it was like, it was. I mean, he could have gone to as uh, Bad News Brown for Halloween, definitely carrying his uh, sewer, sewer carrying his sewer, sewer his sewer rat in the cage. Did he get what, pissed? No. No, he. I mean, he didn't. He didn't really have an emotion one way. There's like, oh no, I never heard of him. So he was not interested. He was just there to fix shit. He's like, get out uh-huh. of my face. Um, get out of my face, honky. So uh, I, I went to see uh, Sherlock Holmes: A Game of Shadows in the theater. Um, I was super sleepy and fell asleep in the first twenty minutes. But um, my wife like put her leg up on mine in the middle of it and it scared the shit out of me. So, and that woke oh me God. up. So, <laughs> so I was so confused. I went from, I went from awake to like REM sleep in like 10 seconds and she uh, put her leg up on mine and I felt like the room was stuck fucking spinning for a second. I was like, what the fuck? And then I got up and I went and pissed and then I came back and I watched the rest of the movie and it was really good. Um, I don't know why I was going in with kind of lowered expectations on it, but I had a lot of fun and the stuff with, um, with, uh, like I guess imperialist Germany, like the pre World War One stuff, was really interesting mm-hmm. in it. So, um, definite recommend from me. Um, we went to the theater again and watched My Week with Marilyn um, with uh, Michelle Williams and mm-hmm. uh, Kenneth Branagh. Kenneth Branagh was really good in it as um, as uh, Lawrence Olivier and uh, yeah. Michelle Williams did an awesome job. She'll probably be nominated for an Oscar for it. I hope Branagh does too. Um, Judy Dench played a really nice part, a little supporting role. Uh, this was uh, this was also surprising for me. I, I didn't really have any interest in going to see it. Like, I mean, you know, the the whole like mystique of Marilyn Monroe's, you know, it's kind of like Elvis for me. It's like, yeah, okay. I mean, they they were an icon back in the day, I, but it's like I don't really have, have a lot of interest in like learning right. about their lives and stuff now. But the um, but it was really well done, and it's it's it was interesting the way they. Um, it's not just like oh Marilyn this Marilyn that. It's kind of like tosses back and forth with you know how she just kind of wants to be a normal person and all how everybody else views her as kind of like mm-hmm. this untouchable person and you know it starts to touch on this like the, you know the issues that she had with uh, medications and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So, uh, but no, it was really good um, and everybody had a, had really good parts in it. So, um, I watched uh, Stakeland, mm-hmm. um, the uh, vampire flick that. Kind of, it's kind of like a cross between. I guess it's kind of like Zombieland mixed with uh, the Road, uh-huh. um, and this is also very good. Uh, definite recommend. So, a lot of it, our people liked it. I yeah, haven't seen it yet. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, 
what like like with zombie movies that are the most the most successful zombie movies they do a good job introducing the vampire situation but it really becomes more of like a human struggle and like their stuff with each other and the 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 vampires who are pretty much like zombies in this movie but except uh-huh. that they drink blood um they just be, kind of become the uh less the focus of the story and more just like something they're going to have to deal with from time to time. So I liked it a lot. Um, and then, uh, somebody, somebody posted Mondo movie guide or something, posted a poster uh, on the gentleman's guide group last night, Libriana bitch of the black sea. Um, nice. And I, I immediately downloaded it. I like it already. Yeah. It was, it's, I think it's, I don't know if it's a Soviet movie or not. But it takes place in Russia, and it's in, it's filmed in 1981, and it's just a porn, um, and it's dubbed <laughs> it's dubbed really bad in English. It's like 68 minutes long. It was really weird. Um, it's kind of like a reporter is going from Seattle to Russia to find Libriana, who is using porn to kind of undermine the Soviet cause and like try to get Soviet uh, the communism to fall. Uh huh. Um, it's not that deep, but <laughs> it's just an excuse to keep showing porn clips, basically. But um, the main the main girl in it, uh, Pezda Vanukta, or Va- Vanutka, she uh, is not nearly as hot as the painting on the photo, uh, on the poster, but she has huge boobs, and it was pretty cool. So um, can't go it, wrong with huge boobs. <laughs> it was really it was kind of bizarre. It was it was like seventies porn, so a lot of uh, untrimmed genital regions. Um, and yeah, so not, not what you normally expect. And the, the dubbing for, uh, women like enjoying themselves, like panting was always the same, regardless of who it was having sex. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like they kept looping the same sound clip that somebody did. Um, and that was it for me. So, uh, I finished, (laughs) I finished that one this morning on the iPad. I was like, I have some, some of the stuff that goes through my iPad. It's, we talked about this at Horror Hound. I got to keep this thing hidden from people. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. yeah. I will say this now. Okay. I want to, cause we're going to move on to the, um, you know, after the break, uh, talking about the movies. I forgot when you asked me what, what's been going on. I had two subjects that I, that I wanted to mention for the show and I forgot until you were talking just a minute ago. Um, Apparently there is some because we're you know the, the the whole diet thing and losing yeah. weight and everything and uh, you know the, the the this one person I know is how oh, it's taking this bee pollen stuff it's supposed to curb your appetite bee pollen bee pollen take this bee pollen okay there is actually something out right now it's supposedly and I don't know if you if that's one I just want to ask if you've heard of this you take these I don't know if it's pill I think it's not pills it's drops mm-hmm. pregnant women's piss. <laughs> and you take like a drop and it's supposed to curb your appetite. And when I was told this last night, I thought to myself, you know, that no wonder there are fucking these snake oil salesmen people in the world. Uh, and I decided that I was going to come out with something that like like put my my uh, shit in like one of those little tins that has mustache wax in it and tell people that if they take it and and like put a little bit under their nose, it'll cur- – it'll uh, curb their appetite because i mean people are just fucking stupid and i you know i hope the person that's told me this isn't listening and going to think i'm an asshole but (laughs) if you would just drink like and then that brought me to thinking about i don't even like watching porno videos where people like piss in each other's mouths or in each other's faces and stuff that just i don't know i don't like it it's just me 
but now I also saw now this goes along with what you were watching or mm-hmm. what you know we've been watching. I saw this video because one of my friends on Roku, uh, the Roku thing gave me a code for this website. Mm-hmm. And it has all these porno channels. So you, he says, oh, you can watch – now you can watch uh, porno on your big screen TV. <laughs> so I thought, well, you know, okay, I, 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 I think maybe I'll try it out and see what they got on there. right? So I click on the thing, and there's about 10 different channels, you know, and just click on them. And um, first of all, I don't like – I'm so used to sitting in my computer chair while I'm watching porn <laughs> that it just doesn't seem right. Now, I, you, I don't, now you sit down to type an email and get an erection. You're like, what the fuck? Yeah, it just was wrong. It just seemed wrong. But they had one on there, and it said something about slap. And I was like, well, yeah, okay, I wonder what this is. Maybe it's you know, spanking a girl's ass or even giving a little smack across the face or whatever, you know, whatever. This guy was punching this girl uh. in the skull, like on the top of her head. First, he started out with, like, he had a fist, but he was hitting her, like, with the, uh, the flat of his hand. And you could hear, like, clunk, clunk, clunk while she was giving him head. Then he starts screwing her doggy style, and he starts punching her with his fist, not like drawing back real far, but I mean like maybe a, 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 you know, three or four inches from her head and just like – and you could just hear that clung. And it was so – it just really was such a – I just uh, – that I, I think it may have just turned me off to porn. I think I'm just going to delete those channels mm-hmm. you know, because I don't like watching on TV. I'll just watch yeah. it. But I don't like that kind of – I mean, you know, I don't mind a little uh, uh, friendly abuse if the other person's into it. But, you know, punch – I don't want to punch somebody in the head. Would you punch somebody in the head if you were fucking them? No. Okay, there we go. Donkey punch, nothing like that. I don't don't even want to punch people when I'm pissed at them. Mm, I mean, I I want to, but I won't. (laughs) (laughs) How about if you're pissed at them and you punch them? And then fuck them. <laughs> well, like, I, I had this, I had this weird like thought in my brain yesterday at the at the store. This guy just walked past me, totally ignored me. I I, I do a lot of checking people in for appointments at the Apple huh? store, and this huh? guy just like blew right past me, and then stood there in the back, just like looking at the Genius Bar. Uh, with his back to me, and I, just had, I was like, "Oh my god, I would love to just walk up and slap this guy in the back of the head with the iPad." <laughs> he he just like you were inconsequential. Yeah, like, yeah, like and it's like you dummy. I'm gonna still have to go up and talk to you now, and you just totally ignored me and walked right past me, and you now you're standing there with not talking to anybody. He probably walked by and he was like, <laughs> "God, look at those tattoos. Move out of the way, fatty." <laughs> no, but if if any of our listeners out there. If you, if you've ever seen either seen movies where somebody punches somebody, and I I saw something about Sasha Gray one time, and they said her first hardcore video was with with uh, Rocco Sofredi, and he she was eighteen and he was like forty something, and she told him before the scene, "You can punch me in the stomach if you want to." Jesus, I'm old. Is this something new? I don't. I don't know. I hate all that shit, like gagging and all that, like yeah. being violent, like you know, like when the guy's grabbing the chick's hair or something. I mean, You're a lover. I'm a lover, not a fighter. All right. Well, I just do that in there. All right. Well, let's take a break and let's come back and do Cinderella Liberty first, since that's what okay. I watched first. Okay. We'll be right back. <laughs> we'll be right back. Good. Yesterday, during the preparation of those putrid little twins I captured, I tuned into entrails from the skeleton closet. God damn it! I was hoping to catch the newest episode before tonight's feast. Matt and Mike are the shit when it comes to odious cinema. 
Well, that's what I've been trying to tell you. I became so enthralled in the show that I negligently dismissed both children as being dead. After dissecting and boiling the boy, I realized that the girl had escaped the house and taken to the forest. How could you be so reckless, you old fool? Check out Entrails from the Skeleton Closet for reviews and discussions on genre-specific exploitation, horror, television, and general cult cinema. It just might save your life. But your brother's totally fucked. You know, we could pickle that little boy and save him for the solstice. Ooh, yummy. Well, buckshot eyes and a purple heart. Stroll. And with a big fat paycheck strapped to my hip sack And a short leave wristwatch underneath my sleeve In a Hong Kong drizzle on Cuban heels I rolled down the gutter to the blood bank And I'd left all my papers on the Ticonderoga And I was in bed in need of a shave at the corner on cold chow mein and shot billiards with a midget until the rain stopped. I bought a long sleeve shirt with horses on the front and some gum and a lighter and a knife and a new deck of cards with girls on the back. And I sat down and wrote a letter to my wife. And I said, baby, I'm so far away from Back from break. I fucking love Tom Waits. Yeah. All right. So our first movie, that, that song is called Shore Leave. Well, I just might look that one up. I like that. Um, Swordfish, Swordfish Trombones is the album. Um, our first film today, Cinderella Liberty, 1973, starring one James Caan. It's weird. For some reason, all week I was thinking Richard Gere was in this movie. I don't know what, what happened in my brain. That made that happen. I and sometimes then, wonder what happens in your brain. <laughs> <laughs> you and, must have uh, been thinking about off-center gentlemen. Maybe I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I, I just think I was just thinking gear. I don't. I mean, I wasn't even seeing his face. I was just thinking Cinderella Liberty, Richard Gear. <laughs> and when I started watching, I was like, oh, James Con. Shit, I knew that. I don't, I don't know why. So, uh, so James Con, uh, Marsha Mason, who was very good, and uh, some other people. Bert <laughs> Bert Young drenching himself in cologne. <laughs> Little Dabney Coleman action in there. Love love Dabney too. So, um, a <clears throat> excuse me, a lonely <laughs> Navy <laughs> sailor falls in love with a hooker and becomes a surrogate father figure for her son during an extended liberty due to his service records being lost. Directed by Mark Rydell. Zom, I'll let you take the lead here. Okay, I saw this movie a long time ago. I'm good. Um. I saw this movie a long time ago. Good. <laughs> I did. <laughs> um, I don't think I saw, I didn't see it in the theater, mm-hmm. but I, I'm pretty sure that I saw this like on a Sunday night movie 
uh, all, when I was a kid before they had VHS and all that shite. Um, and, uh, you know, probably watched it with my dad and my mom and it was probably cut up quite a bit, but, um, and I remember seeing like the old ads. I have a like a pseudo scrapbook somewhere that has like a lot of old movie ads from the old newspapers when I was a kid, and I'd put them in there, and you know, like Magnum Force and Walking Tall and shit like this. Um, Nineteen seventy three, I'm good. Uh, James Con, um, he. I always like James Con. I don't like his son. I don't like his son at all. I don't like his son in anything I've ever seen him in. I think he is just a fucking four foot tall, uh, cocky little fucking asshole. And I think it's because in that Jessica Alba underwater swimming movie, uh-huh. he played a cocky, you know, little asshole. And I, I, I take it that for some reason, cause I'm stupid that that's the way he is, but I didn't like him in that anyway. Uh, so he wishes he was James Con cause James Con has like the squarest, most broadest shoulders and he's hairy. He's a bear and he makes no bones about it cause he's Jewish. Uh, I don't know if that has anything to do with it, but he is Jewish. Um, <laughs> and sometimes James Con, uh, he's like Duval, even though they're like from the city, I'm not sure where he's from, but I know he's not from goddamn the South or anything. Mm-hmm. And he does like a little bit of a country accent and he kind of does it in this one too, a little bit. But the one thing that I liked about James Con in this one, uh, is that he has a loaf stash. Uh, and, and you don't get to see James Con that often with the the uh, I guess I read somewhere that back in at this time that uh, actually in the Navy you could um, you could uh, have you know a mustache and uh, even in like PT one hundred nine uh, the one guy has like a, a Zom mustache with a goatee. Uh, if you do a um, if you do a Google search a Google what? image search for Navy mustache you can actually find a diagram that's in like a it's on a Navy uh, website. And it has measurements to show you how wide your mustache can be. Ah. It's really weird. <laughs> but um, so anyway, he plays uh, this uh, this guy Bags, and um, he um, <laughs> he he has a a physical problem that is going to <laughs> send him to the like infirmary uh, to get fixed. And uh, you find out what that problem is right off the bat because as he's walking off the boat, uh, he's carrying one of those little inflatable inner tubes. Uh, so he's got a butt problem. Um, uh, ends up, I think it's like a, he either had a boil or a cyst. Uh, uh, the one guy says a cyst, and then, of course, the doctor kind of says, you know, well, it might have just been a boil. And uh, But it's funny because um, – you get to see James Con in almost like a, a, a door. I hate to say this because this is what it reminded me of, though. Uh, did you see Star 80? No, no. Okay. Well, uh, it's a true story, and this girl's a playmate, Dorothy Stratton, and uh, and um, she has a real sleazy boyfriend who was played by Eric Roberts, and Mariel Hemingway was Dorothy Stratton. And, uh, you know, the, I don't want to give anything away, but there's an S&M device used in it, and uh, it kind of reminds me of the one James Conn has put in when they go to lance the boil on his ass. I, I, my note for that is, I think Zom needs one of those cranky <laughs> ass chairs with, the face, with a face-down Jessica Biel. Buffet, yes! Buffet oh, my time. God. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I would just... Oh. Fuck, man, that would be so awesome. And uh, and it would even be awesome if I was the one in the chair and she was back there tossing my salad. Look at my butt. 
Anyway, now I'm all giddy. I'm blushing. <laughs> so anyway, and the best part about that is, is that the, the doctor's so nonchalant and everything. <laughs> right before he does it, he smacks James Caan on the ass. He's like, "You're all done." <laughs> he gets this look on his face, like, "What? <laughs> what? He didn't just do that, did he?" So anyway, um, Con is con he's kind of uh, or bags he is um he's a lifer he uh, uh is a guy that he you know he joined the navy this is his job this is his life it's the only thing that he does he knows and he they have a certain um you'll see this in both movies that uh, just a certain lifestyle they're used to being around these dudes all the time and 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 out to sea so their social skills sometimes aren't exactly you know they're kind of rough around the edges, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're used to dealing with you know hoey bar girls all the time or prostitutes and stuff like that. But for him being you know that kind of guy and everything, he has he's, he's kind of like a walking contradiction, uh, you know, uh, uh, Chris Christopherson walking contradiction, partly truth and partly fiction. Because even though he is a sailor and he you know frequents bars and you know and gets drunker and shit and screws tries to find hose to screw and he um he kind of has like a code of ethics i guess it's just maybe the way he was brought up he doesn't like people swearing and he and he's not like a violent guy or anything like he'll go off but it really bothers him if even if you say like jesus christ i mean it just he'll he'll say you know please don't please don't swear in front please of watch your language and he and he's just kind of a you hate to in this movie. You think of one character as being kind of the whore with the heart of gold, mm-hmm. but in some ways, James Caan is sort of the whore with the heart of gold, right? Right. Because even though he's a sailor and he's a, a very worldly man, he is um, he's kind of a soft touch. He's very empathetic. He like if a, a bum on the street, you know, would walk up to him. I mean, he 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 ne- he's a soft touch. Like you know, hey, can I have a quarter? You know, he just you know. If the guy kept coming up to him over and over and over, he'd probably give him all his money. So anyway, um, he um, basically is told, okay, since you've had this uh, procedure done, you know, we have to make sure that it's okay and that you don't get any infection or whatever. So he misses his ship. And he's, you know, he wants to be on the ship with his buddies. And, you know, I guess it, 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 he knows that if he doesn't get on this ship because he's been with these same guys all the time and they become friends and everything. He's used to the, to, to everything. Uh, like most people, he doesn't like change. And if he misses the ship before it, it goes out to sea again, then he, everything's going to be changed. He probably won't get on that ship again. They'll end up putting him on another one. He'll have to start all over. Uh, and, meet a whole bunch of new people and a bunch of assholes and you know this and that so anyway but they tell him they say no you got to stay here and um he uh the the name of the movie is you know cinderella liberty and basically from what i gather from the movie that is um you have to be you know home by or have to be back to the base by midnight or like cinderella you turn into a pumpkin or you know you'll get in trouble or whatever and um there's his thing you know i guess he's like you know fuck because nothing, you know, he wants to go out and party or go out and find a woman, and everything's just getting started, you know, around midnight. So he really doesn't like that. Um, he goes to a local bar, and um, there was one scene. This he's dancing with this girl, and this girl, you want to talk about <laughs> something? I mean, she basically. 
she wasn't bad looking and she had a nice body and she was basically like fucking him on the dance floor. She was very bouncy. She was fucking yeah, she annoying. Was, <laughs> oh, she was annoying and she was annoying him. Well, he 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 um the one thing I like about this movie is it, it does take place in the seventies and that was a time where, you know, you would see lots of women not wearing uh bras and uh wearing really short mini skirts that just had little panties on underneath mm-hmm. and they would You'd, you used to see that a lot on like Hee Haw or or uh, like uh, Room Two Twenty Two was a TV show, and it was like like they it, it really wasn't like I don't know if it was like their panties as much as it was like little hot pants or something underneath, yeah. but it just looked like it might have been panties. It just looked like, but uh, Marcia Mason, who was uh, I think she I think she actually either got nominated or won an Oscar for the Goodbye Girl with uh, Richard Dreyfuss, who bumped into Emily at Horror Hound and knocked her out of the way. Um, anyway. <laughs> Um, I think she he, was nominated for this. Yeah, she's, I think she might have been too. You know, so she she she's did pretty good. And you yeah, don't hear yeah. that much about her or from her. You know, for I I haven't. I can't think of anything other than these two movies really off the top of my head. And uh, which, of course, I didn't do any research, so I didn't look her up. She looked um, really familiar. I, I, and looking through IMDb, I'm not sure. Maybe I remember her from Frasier. She was in a few episodes of that. Hmm. Um, she did, she's done a lot of TV stuff since yeah. the, since the nineties, but I, it's like I, I I knew I knew her from somewhere, and I guess it was there. She looked really familiar, especially when she would smile or laugh. There's something about her mm-hmm. smile that I know I recognize. So. But she's cute. She's she's not like a classic beauty or anything. Yeah. But she's 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 more just kind of you know cute. She looks like you know like a, a real person. She's you know somebody that you could actually see somewhere you know. And um um she's hustling pool. Um, and this is her thing, you know, whereas James Kahn's thing is, you know, being on the ship and he has his lifestyle. Well, her thing is like every day to go to the bar and hang out and uh, hustle pool and uh, hustle sailors for drinks. And this is like a, a Navy bar where all the sailors come when they're in in, in town. And um, so he basically sees her bending over a pool table. He can't even see her face and all he sees is her ass and uh, her legs. And he's like, that's all it takes. He gets rid of that bouncy bitch. And yeah, and she's like, I got a better body than her. I got better legs. I got a better ass. And he goes, yeah, I know, I know, I know. And he just keeps walking over towards her. <laughs> so um, there's a little uh, pool hustling kind of thing going on. Uh, she's a hustler, but, uh, you know, he, he basically um, ends up making a bet that sees him getting to uh, her, her putting her, her, uh, her, uh, bits and pieces on the line mm-hmm. and then he kicks it in high gear and just smokes her ass and she's like huh I, I wonder how many shots it took him or how many like camera shots it took him for him to make that triple bank pull shot yeah 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 because they actually showed that with her they cut away a lot yeah, like, yeah. They show her sh- shooting but then you know the balls are you know they cut to somebody else's probably you know doing obviously. There's a very, very similar scene later where i wonder if they had to film it over and over again where Khan spins a basketball around his waist and then hits a hits a jump shot he's a pretty good basketball player i think he was a really good athlete oh. in college and stuff yeah um yeah i'm good he was, mm-hmm. he was a football player and stuff um for, he's not a very tall guy. He's about the same height as Marsha Mason, actually. Um, but so anyway, they go back, and, and she lives in this kind of like a shitty uh, dive of an apartment. And uh, I've, I've been in the same situation a few times where you meet a girl in a bar and you know take her home, and she's like, hey, you know, be quiet. My, you know, my, my kid's asleep. <laughs> or I had actually had one that uh, brought a, uh, her kid who was probably like three years old to my apartment. 
Uh, she stopped Ooh. and picked him up on the way home or on the way to my apartment to have sex with me. And she was drunk, driving drunk and picks her kid up, brings him there, puts him on the couch. He falls asleep. And then we go do our thing, which was very uncomfortable. Anyway, yeah, that's the life I lead. Anyway, that was a long time ago, people. Um, like two years. Yeah. That was a long time. It was a long time. <laughs> Uh, anyway, um, and she was married. Anyway, uh, oh my god! Oh, uh, well, I can't help it. Uh, I didn't know that until we were like, you know, getting ready to do it, and then I was just like, who cares? She's here anyway. Um, so anyway, uh, I digress. Uh, okay, so anyway, Con is like I said, he's one of these guys. I swear to God, um, I always uh, that's what is, is this is going to become a running fucking joke on the show or whatever. But like with the Bill Murray thing, and I was like broken flowers. That's kind of like my life and uh, uh, Turkish uh, delight. That's kind of. Like, but I have a tendency <laughs> to fall in love with loose women, like you know, where most of my friends will go out and pick a girl up in a bar that's obviously kind of a hoe, a drunk that picks up guys all the time, and I'll fall in love with them, and it, it's not good. Uh, <laughs> so he does. And uh, her son is a uh, – <laughs> this is on the poster. It's, it's something about she's like a, she's like a, a pool hustler, or she's a hustler, uh, this and that, and she has a mulatto son. Yeah, what a sign of the times when the advertising <laughs> for this movie says he like, he like uh, t- takes this mulatto child under his wing. His mulatto child. <laughs> Um, now, in some parts of this, though, there were there were racial there was racial stuff like that, and you're like, oh god, what a sign of the times. But I think a lot of it, though, I think they did it on purpose. I mean, it wasn't yeah, yeah, like yeah. you know we all say you know use these racial slurs or whatever. Um, it's just the way that the characters were. Uh, and uh, the kid's name's Doug. <laughs> He's just this little mulatto child named after Douglas MacArthur. Yeah, named after Douglas. <laughs> but the the uh, the funny thing is, is Doug is a hard ass. You know, you think he's going to be like this little Gary Coleman like kid, and he's got a fucking switchblade, and he he's tells a uh, he's like tells James James Con's like gets just gets done. James Con is such a nice guy that the kid is in the other room sleeping on the couch, and he's going to go fuck the kid's mother. That makes him uncomfortable as soon as he sees the kid. They go in the bedroom, and the springs on the bed are like squeaky. Now. Marsha Mason, from what I kind of think, you know, from watching the movie, probably brings a different guy home every night and gets and and fucks him. And so she doesn't give a shit. Well, I think she gets paid for it a lot of the time. I mean, I think she like kind of sneaks in the prostitution part to make extra money. Yeah. And, uh, (laughs) but he's like, wait a minute, these springs are awfully. And she goes, ah, he's a sound sleeper. So he won't even screw her on the bed. And then what's funny is he, uh, he reaches up and gets a pillow. And um, and uh, you think, okay, he's going to give her this pillow to put on her head. He, he he takes the pillow, and then she goes, "Can I have one for my head too?" <laughs> he must just like either put he either puts it under her ass, or he's doing her doggy and got it under her stomach or something. She goes, "Can I have one for my head too?" So anyway, that was funny. What, so, the, what was it she said to him in the bar? I didn't understand. I rewound it a couple times to try to figure it out. When uh, he. There were, t- I think it was right at the pool table, and she says something like, "As long as it's not greasy, I ain't catching." Uh, oh, it was, it was uh, greasy. Was that what she said? I don't know if it was greasy, but he, it was when he was talking about he was on medical leave, and she said, "You're not crazy, are you?" And he made like a crazy face, and then she was trying to figure out what it was, and he said, like a, a whatever the name of the cyst was, and oh. she, as long as it's not uh, something, as long as I thought she said something like, as long as it's not catching. I'm 
I couldn't tell what she as long as as long as it ain't something I ain't catching. I thought she was talking about like STDs or something. Yeah, yeah. Well, she was as long as you know, as long as he wasn't uh, you know in the hospital for having like the clap or something. Right. right. But uh, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, and he's like saying something about that. It's the, when he was shooting pool. He was like, it's the angle of the dangle and all that <laughs> shit, which is a line that they used in the movie The Losers. I gotta say, uh, when he when he walks out of her room and. Fucking, he says your mom's a good sport to the yes, to that kid. I mean, he deserved to be cut for that one. <laughs> and Doug's like, chance off me, you hunky faggot. <laughs> this little kid. Now, how old, how old do you think that kid was in the movie? Like, supposed to be like uh, he, maybe like seven years he was, old. Well, he said he was eleven. Oh, eleven. The kid said, "I'm am only eleven at one part." So I, I mean, I don't know how old he was in real life. But. It's like get your, get your hands off me, hunky faggot. <laughs> so that was pretty cool. Uh, that was our. <laughs> Racist and sexist thing for the show, I guess. Uh, which there was a lot. There was a lot of uh, racial slurs in this. Um, th- so Khan is sitting there, and I think I think if it would have been now, you know, like I said, he saw Marsha Mason across the bar, and sometimes you have that. I, I don't know if I would say love at first sight, but it's like the initial attraction. She yeah. must have been like his type. But then when when. The kid was in, injected from the first thing. It made him uncomfortable, but then he was laying there, and he – I think it just kind of – he started thinking, God, you know, this is – this." I think he's like a, the kind of guy that wants to save It is, and, and they, the he, they go into it. I mean his dad was – you know, died when he was that, about that age, and he had a shitty stepdad. And so Khan kind of – he he really becomes more like – like his project becomes more Doug instead of uh, yeah instead of what's her face yeah because he kind of I think he, he probably movie? I keep calling her Marsha but uh, Maggie Paul Maggie Maggie, Maggie. Um, so anyway she she um, <laughs> every place Con goes um, you don't know what's going on but he's like when he's in the hospital he's like hey uh, is there a you, you don't have a guy in here named Lynn Forche do you and then he goes to another place he goes hey uh, is there a guy named uh, Forche here got a got a woman's name Lynn you know so you don't know what's going on there well that ends up being uh, Eli Wallach and um, Eli Wallach is he's so good in this but he's funny he he looks so much a few times like the dad from Christmas story yeah 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 Darren Darren McGavin yeah, yeah. Um, he, he did actually, um, but he apparently he was like, uh, I guess he would be like uh, James Conn's drill instructor or something like that when he was in the navy. I don't know what they call it, you know. Then, but uh, he he made James Conn stand at, uh, on uh, Christmas Day. He made him stand and guard trash cans, uh, and it was like. <laughs> like uh, 25 below zero or something and <laughs> made him stand out there until he caught or, or he pissed he pissed his pants to stay warm or just because he had to piss because he couldn't move for six hours um, in like 20 below guarding trash cans and then he crawled inside the trash can and then they took him inside and um Eli Wallach told the the guys uh, when they brought him in, he was like had hypothermia. They put him in the shower and turned cold water on him, <laughs> and he got pneumonia. Well, that's that's kind of one of the things that also that you see in this movie is um, it's almost like a tough guy uh, fraternity because yeah. it'd be like if we got went to Horror Hound and we're like, hey you f- hey you fucking asshole, how you doing? How's your fucking mother? Yeah, I saw her last night. And you know they just act like assholes to each other, but it's just like the kind of like a code of conduct yeah, they're yeah. always wanting they're always like wanting to, to either brawl or just like like for shay uh eli wallach's character he just his his life 
is the it Navy. Was to, to, was the Navy and was being like the drill, the hard ass drill instructor, and he loved it. Yeah. He loved being an asset. He was like, t- even the uh, Burt Young was telling. He says, you know, everybody wants to beat up the, the the guy. They're all assholes. That's what they're supposed to do. And that's what Eli Wallach told me. He goes, well, what do you want me to do? Hold your fucking hand. And he's laughing because he says, you were the biggest, you know, motherfucker, the biggest son of a bitch I've ever met in my life, and you still are. And he's like, geez, thanks, bags, because <laughs> he just that's like. If if James Coleman went up and said you are the mo- most wonderful person in the world, he probably would have puked and spit in your face. But if you told him he was the biggest bastard, he's like, "God damn it, thank you." That's the greatest thing you could ever say. To when me. they're having that conversation, could Burt Young have put on any fucking more cologne? Oh my God, Burt Young was great at this because he it, it just there was times where he would be laughing and it was just hilarious because it, it, he he was you know he was like everybody just. Fucked with everybody, and I guess in the in the navy or in the military, when Khan shows up, he's like, "Well, I could put you over here in this uh, in this uh, area, and that's where the the fags and the uh, and the flower children are, and they're getting kicked out. I could put you over here. This is where the psychos are. I could put you over here, and you know. And then finally, after a while, he's like, "Okay, I'll put you over here with you." You know, he just bust. It's just like constantly busting each other's balls. Yeah. And um, so Khan. Uh, or bags. Um, when I say con, I fucking think of Ricardo Montalban every time I say it. <laughs> so I'm just gonna say bags. Um, even though, okay, he missed his ship, and then they lose all his paperwork and everything. So he's fucked. Yeah. He can't get paid. He's just stuck. He can't go anywhere. He's stuck on the base. And they're like, well, you're not just gonna fucking just hang out here, you know? So they they give him jobs to do and shit. And he's like, god damn it, you know, I don't want to do this shit. Um, and they make him – this is a, a, uh, the emergence of Bruno Kirby in this movie. He plays I, – I don't know about anybody else, but I was just going to say I think everybody in their life knows a guy like this, mm-hmm. and I have known a few. He is so obnoxious and so annoying, and they have to do shore patrol together, which is like instead of MPs in the army or whatever, it's <laughs> SPs. And all this guy does is brag about either how big his dick is or, you know, um, uh, when he – like I'm not – basically what he was saying is like, you know, I'm not like gay or anything. But, uh, uh, you know, you have to notice, don't you? You know, like when we're all taking showers together, you notice there's differences. There's differences. And, you know, uh, I wish I was in World War II, but I wasn't. And when I hear about Pearl Harbor or see Pearl Harbor, I just get so pissed. I want to kick ass. And he's just a big blowhard. <laughs> so anyway, Khan, um runs into Doug – a few times, and at first Doug's kind of like, you know, fuck off, asshole, get out of my face, you know, you just screwed my mom, blah, blah, and uh, you know, whatever. And he's just like amazed. He's he 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 first, like like you said, it's like almost like a project. Yeah. Uh, Doug uh, steals beer and drinks beer. He chews chewing tobacco. He's got rotten teeth, and uh, so Con is going to help him out, and he's taken her him. A couple, a few different times back to Maggie and it's like, you know, do you know what your son was doing? And she's like, yeah, he does that all the time. Do you know that he stole? Yeah, oh, yeah, he loves beer, you know. And so she's just indifferent and he's like, God, he's just flustered. He's like, God, Jesus Christ. Yeah. You know, this kid's going to – he needs somebody. He needs like a, a father figure. He needs somebody to – to straighten him out because the kid cusses all the time and everything, and it just drives James Con crazy. Um, so anyway, he tries to you know the, re- the pretty much the movie is him trying to 
help Doug. And at first, Doug is like real reluctant because he's seen guys like this come and go probably a million times, and none of them have ever really showed any interest in him. So then he sort of con sort of starts to win him over. But not only that, it's not just that, but he starts seeing a um, like almost like a makeshift family, right? And Marcia Mason's kind of like, well, you know, he'll say, well, I'll, I'll see you, you know, tomorrow. And she'll be like, well, I might not be here tomorrow. Well, and, and you know, and he's like, well, then I'll see you when you are here. And, you know, and he kind of lets her know and she kind of lets him know, okay, this is how I am. And he's, and he's kind of saying, you know, well, okay, I understand that, but I like you and I like your kid and I want to be here for you. And she's kind of sort of – she likes him, but she sort of pushes him away, but she sort of likes him. And it kind of goes back and forth like that. Um, and there's – I don't know. It's a, there, there was a moment in this that was – you know uh, that kind of hit me. Like I said, I've, maybe I'm just a big puss this week. Uh, everything <laughs> hit me. But, but there was a moment in this with uh, um, something to do with like uh, – them going to the hospital and then oh, yeah, yeah. what happens. And I was like, Oh my God, that's, you know, just really emotionally kind of, you know, like, Oh geez, you know, what, what a, what a thing, you know, to happen. And, uh, she's, you know, obviously kind of a fucked up person yeah. and he knows, but I mean, he knows all her warts. She's been abused and everything. She's, you know, he tells her, he says, you know, I'll never, you know, abuse you, never hit you or whatever. And she's got like a great big scar and stuff. And, uh, um, but he he knows all of her warts. He knows about her, you know, about Doug. He knows about her and all these other men and everything. But he still is like, I think, you know, and and he falls in love, and then she falls in love too. But because she is so fucked up, she kind of has like a self loathing thing. Yeah. Where I'm never going to be anything. I'm never going to be anything but this, and you know, and you just you just get the fuck away from me and go away. And so she's kind of pushing him away that way. But he's such a nice guy. And then all the guys on the base and stuff that he tells about this, they're like, "What the fuck are you doing, you idiot? Yeah. How the fuck?" Because I I think it's kind of like from what they were saying, like Dabney Coleman, and then we're saying was was like. Uh, Maybe it was like almost like a common occurrence that these girls. It's like like you when you said Richard Gere, an officer and a gentleman. They had the townie girls, and the 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 thing was in that movie was the townie girls were always trying to trick these guys like into getting them pregnant or whatever. So yeah, they would so they'd stick yeah. around or give them yeah. Money. yeah. And and uh, so that's what Dabney Coleman and he just basically. I mean, it was. It was very uncomfortable even to watch because you knew how James Caan felt about Marsha Mason and about her kid. And Dabney Coleman doesn't – you know, he's just thinking this guy's just a fucking dumbass. Yeah. And he calls her everything in the book, every – just – I mean the most – the uh, and you could t- – just really – you could tell it really hurt James Caan's feelings because he really likes – Really, I mean, he loved her, and he loved, and he, you know, got to the point where he actually loved her kid too. And then here's this guy who's like an officer; he couldn't say anything back to him, you know, or yeah. or punch him out or anything. And this guy's just basically calling her a whore, a tramp, a scumbag. And one of the one of the good lines in the movie was, you know, after Dabney Coleman goes through all this line of uh, really insulting stuff about Marcia Mason, you know. Cons with her bags is with uh, Maggie, and he says, "You know, are you a are you a uh, you know a, a champagne 
Oh, I forgot the line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's like, are you a champagne, uh, a sipping something, uh, a whore, da da da? And she just goes, second generation, <laughs> and it starts falling. <laughs> and that was it. Was a cute line. It was funny, actually. Um, but um, it's just like I said, it's it's one of those movies. Uh, I think it's kind of a forgotten movie. Um, actually, I don't even know if it, it is. I think it actually might be on DVD now. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's one of those ones that kind of slipped through the cracks for a long time. Most of the people I tell about it don't even have never even heard of it, unless it's like an older person like me. Uh, and um, but if you're here, it is. Would you would you call yourself a champagne cocktail sipping cock teasing downtown barroom whore? <laughs> and she says second generation. So, but um, in some ways, okay, Doug is a kid. Yeah. But in some ways, he almost like he has it more together than his own mother because he yeah. – Well, he, totally. yeah, he has to. I mean that's like – I mean yeah. he's got to take care of himself and his mom fucking has a death wish at times. So he's yeah. got to take care of her too. Like, and he's he, a hard ass. You know, yeah, it, yeah. he's a tough kid. But – but, but, and I think James Caan probably was the same way mm-hmm. maybe, maybe when he was a kid. And so he sees through all that. You know, and he's he, like, you know, you may be a tough kid and you may think you can take care of yourself and everything, but you're, you're a kid. I think if there's one thing the story does well, it's uh, surrounding Khan with uh, characters that kind of complement him. Uh, <laughs> the uh, you know he he uh, obviously has a, a past with uh, some kind of bad parental something or other and wants to do mm-hmm. his thing. So, but then you have the person that, you know Maggie that he wants to take care of. Then you kind of he kind of wants to take care of Doug, but um, Doug like pushes back. And mm-hmm. then you have Lynn Forche. Um, who also is like on the other side. He's like not a kid. He's old and like what Khan might become if he's not careful. You know, Lynn Forche, he's he's by himself. He I mean, he's never been married. He's like, You got a wife, kids? Me neither. Um Or even, you know, with him almost okay, I, I know what you're saying there, like he like, you know, he's because uh, Forche's like, you know, have you ever been married where but I wonder also like if he maybe sees him and I might be, this might be a stretch, but maybe he sees him as the asshole father kind of figure that even though he was a total asshole to him and everything, now he sees him as the vulnerable, you know, why, like, like how he is the way, like he's just a guy and he's, he's uh he was a dick yeah. and maybe cons, it was like, but it, the, I know what, you, but what you're saying is, uh, but but what I'm seeing is, it's almost like this is Khan's family. Yeah, and he and he he can see himself as a bigger man now. He's like, you yeah, know, this guy was so abusive to me, just like stepdad, and now he's just this sad bastard. And yeah, I'm I'm, I'm you know I'm better than this now. And I mean, he he becomes friends with with Forche. So mm-hmm. the um, <laughs> I did like when when Khan was talking about his stepdad, and he's like, what a jerk. He slept with socks on. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was a pretty cool line. Um, and there's the, there's a nice J and B sighting in it when Maggie's just fucking wasted and she's like sucking on a big bottle of J and B. That was kind of cool. Um, uh, this was uh, this uh, the story. I think uh, was 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 good. The movie itself was decent. Um, I just remembered something. What's that? And I'm I I, I want to throw this out because. I'll be honest with you. That fucking Paul Williams shit, 
I just, oh my God. I, I, now I think he sang the, the, uh, the, uh, theme song like Thunderbolt and Lightfoot, mm-hmm. but God damn it. I hated that fucking song at the beginning <laughs> of this movie. If they would have took out every part of, of not just like him singing. Cause mm-hmm. there were different parts where he would like sing the same song and everything he says is like, Holy moly. And I <laughs> fucking, it just grated on my nerves so bad. I'm like this movie. I like this movie, but man, I hated that. That really was just, I thought that was the shits. It, <laughs> I didn't even think it went a lot. It didn't like go along with the fucking, yeah. I don't know. I just, I, I, I remember little Enos Burnett and from fucking smoking, man. But I, I, I know some people say that they like, it, but I never liked his singing. Mm. And and the song might have been good, but I don't know what it was. And I even read like I was reading several re- reviews of this movie, like on um, I don't know if it's IMDb or maybe Amazon or something like that. And yeah. there were a lot of people that said the same thing. And I, 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 even though I've seen it before, as soon as I started watching it. Right at the beginning, he starts singing. I was like, oh, my God. That was the worst. That that knocks it like about two points off the fucking thing. <laughs> the, I think for me, the it's uh, my favorite parts of this movie are like little little silly things or little stupid things. Um, I did like I did like Khan's mustache, but I mean, there's one guy that's like trying to open a combination lock, and that didn't need to be in there, but <laughs> it was just funny. He shines off his fingers like they do, and like they would do it yeah. like uh, in cartoons or whatever. <laughs> he's like, hold this light for me, and he's like, you know, rubs his fingers on the sh- on the collar of his shirt. <laughs> it's, like, it's a goddamn safe cracker or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and uh, you know, it was goofy, but I mean, and I liked I liked when um, when uh, after the after well, in the middle of the hospital part, when um, it's uh, bags and and um, Forche are sharing a cigar, and they're broke as hell, and but and they they sh- they break a cigar in half. I thought that was a nice little. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't just like hand him a cheap cigar. It's like he only had one, and they broke it in half and smoked half of it each. So, um, and uh, I guess to, since we uh, had the John Wayne like shitting on John Wayne quote for the one episode with the, yeah. I, I like the, when, when, uh, bags wants to go, wants to take Doug to see a John Wayne movie <laughs> and Doug's like, John Wayne, that's so dumb. It makes me sick. Whitey. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and Con says, well, I'm getting kind of fond of you too. Spook. Spook. And Con was in a John Wayne movie. Yeah. So that was funny. And they, they got there late as hell. They opened the movie and they're, are you already here? Like gunfire and stuff. I was like, shit, how long, how late did they get to that damn movie? Um, you get some real boobies at a bar. That was kind of nice. So, well, you got to see Marsha Mason's. Yeah, to see her whenever, yeah, when she, in bed, you know, she's a cutie. So, but yeah, he I goes. She in, was cute. Yeah, she goes. He goes into a bar and there's real boobs bouncing around. So that's always fun. I think I that think little mini skirt dress went a long way for me. Yeah, it did good. for James Caan too, but it did for me. <laughs> the the chick that was bouncing at the beginning, I feel like yeah. I saw her dancing later on. The same girl. Man, she she was a freaking – she was into it. He's like, it's hot in here. He just wanted to get out of there because it was like – he. he's like, it's 10 o'clock. You know, i got to be back by – but he's, you could just see his friends just like looking at his watch. Yeah. Okay, if I, if I get out of here right now and go fuck, I can get it over. Now, what was the one part where uh, Khan fucked Marsha Mason and, and I think – this is after they had screwed several times, of course. And he screwed her, but I guess he screwed her like really fast. 
And she said something about kissing on the mouth. The kissing on the mouth was really good or something. And I was thinking, you know, they always said that like prostitutes didn't don't like uh, – uh, won't let guys – some of them really don't like for guys to kiss on the mouth. Right. Or something like that, and uh, I was wondering if you know maybe they never did, and then maybe they did. I don't know. I don't think. I I think after the first time, it wasn't even like a like paying her for it. I'm wondering if the the chick that was dancing like that was Sally Kirkland because it's just she's in this, and it says she's she's known as Fleet Chick, and that's the only thing I can think of that, hmm. where, that she would be. It could have been. I don't know because she you know was a big booby blonde. I oh, bet you it was her. There's another funny. They're playing Monopoly. Another funny line, and the guy I, rec- I recognized him. He, he's been in. He's like one of those like Italian character actors. I think. Yeah. I thought I, I thought he was the guy from Cheers, but that played uh, uh, Carla's wife or husband. It wasn't Nick him. Nick Tortelli. Yeah, it wasn't that guy, but yeah. it looks kind of like him. But when <laughs> they're playing Monopoly, and apparently he's winning, and he says, "I'm unbeatable at this game. I'm from Atlantic City." <laughs> <laughs> like that, like that gives them a a better advantage at Monopoly. <laughs> Although it was kind of cool when I went to Atlantic City and saw all the Monopoly names on the street. So, um, this is uh this movie for me was it was good, it was solid, but it wasn't spectacular. Um, yeah, I liked I liked Doug okay, but he was obviously a a, a kid actor. Um, kid actors unless they're amazing can come across as a little stiff, just because I guess they lack the wisdom or whatever. Yeah, where. Oh my god! I just saw the um, James Con thing that they did a Godfather, a novel for television TV miniseries. Huh. I don't know. Anyway, the um, Marsha Marsha Mason was re- was really good in it. She was a little over the top at times, but I think it worked for her character because that's kind of yeah. who she was. Um, she did a really good drunk uh, when she would t- kind of be kind of like slouch eyed and got real smiley shooting. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was pretty cool. And and it was it was a cool seeing Khan in this kind of role. Like a lot of the time you see him as kind of a hard ass or you know Michael Corleone. Yeah. He's like or yeah, Santino Corleone. The or Sonny. The oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Sonny, I'm sorry. Fuck. It's gone. I just <laughs> lost some cred. <laughs> some street cred. <laughs> I, I, I I don't have any at all, so you're fine. The um <laughs> But it's kind of cool seeing him in a in a, a lighter a role mm-hmm. like this, you know. And uh, I got I'll ask in the next movie, but about the mustaches, we, we'll have a little mustache competition. But um, you know, I don't have a lot to add outside of you know what you talked about. So um, there, there's a lot of faces that showed up on this, which was kind of neat too. So, but uh, we'll go ahead and get into our scores and stuff. Um, this one, I think I would give it like a, a th- I was thinking about this today, so I'm already ready. Uh, 6.75. Um, I liked it. I like, I'm like you, I, um, it's, it's kind of just a, for the subject matter of mm-hmm. it being, uh, you know, a prostitute who's, you know, drunk and has got like a mulatto kid and, uh, you know, and all that stuff. Um, it's kind of a, a sweet movie, nice, yeah. kind of a sweet movie. Now I will say this, um, I, I kind of like the, um. I don't want to say what happens, but uh, the the way that it ended, uh, it, it was almost well. I don't want to go in, but but you know there there was a, a part of it in, in, in the end that um, it was sort of unexpected for me. Yeah, uh, and I think, but I think that when I said the one part at, about the hospital and everything that was kind of like uh, emotional, um, I think that probably had something to do with it and the person just being kind of fucked up. But um, 
you know, anyway, I don't want to give any more because I'm, I'm going to start saying something. But uh, I, uh, I think it's a good movie. Um, but I, it's not like a, a great movie. Yeah. But uh, you know, I incur- I'd tell people you know to watch it. I think I think it's got a lot of good qualities. It's just not. Um, it's not like a any kind of like a, I don't know. I don't think I, it's, a, it's not a classic. I think nah. I think if it were, uh, I don't know even what could make it a classic. I mean, it's it, it's decent. I, I I'm right there with you. I, I give it a six point two five out of ten. Yeah. it's it's better than average. Yeah, I'm glad I watched you can it. See, I can see why. I you know when I said that it kind of fell through the cracks and was kind of forgotten for a while, I can I can I mean you can see why. It's yeah. not like a movie that people are like, oh my god, you remember that movie? It was so good, you know. Yeah, I mean, there's not a lot that. There's some entertaining stuff, but nothing that super stands out. I also like watching it uh, and that the, with this one and with the, the next one uh, for the kind of time capsule kind of a thing. Yeah, you, get, you, you like, see a lot uh, of like sleazy 70s Times style Square stuff, and yeah. stuff like that with all the pornos. God, there's dirt. porno like everywhere. Like, I, there's always I, like everywhere they went in these two movies. There's always some kind of like triple X theater or. I was in Times Square before Rudy Giuliani cleaned it up, and it was 100 percent just like. <laughs> Uh, it was great. All right, cool. That's our review of Cinderella Liberty. Let's take a break, and we'll come back and do uh, a different one uh, about the Navy, same year, uh, the last detail. We'll be right back. Are you tired of the same old pop culture podcast? Do you listen to those other podcasts and think to yourself, why aren't they talking about the things I'm interested in? Hi, I'm Reverend Scott, and when I want to listen to a couple of guys with their appendages on the pulse of pop culture, Penis. I listen to the Are You Serious podcast. Hear news about politics and religion where hosts Chris and Frank ask the tough questions. If you woke up with a cock in your mouth, would you take it or leave it? Yeah, exactly. How big is the cock? <laughs> You'll hear entertainment news about your favorite movies and TV shows, plus plain old wholesome discussion about the lives of Chris and Frank. I mean, now I am, like, tattooed. It's weird. It's like I've... I guess I should explain what I got. Yeah. It's three swastikas. Each one interconnected <laughs> to look like a smiley face. And on my left arm is cock and balls. And you notice I looked at my right the arm character from an old that. Disney film. It's the prequel to Song of the South. Exactly. No, I have, it's um, called Song of the Cock and Balls. <laughs> it sounds like this. So when you think pop culture podcast, remember this. What's that thing between the dick and the asshole? The Are You Serious Podcast on iTunes or areyouseriouspodcast.com. Sailor chick you posted on the, on the on the Facebook group. I know what you like. 
She's good stuff. Um, our next film uh, today, the last detail from 1973. I will let you introduce it here, Doctor Zom. Okay. Okay. Two Navy men, okay, are ordered to bring a young offender to prison, okay, but decide to show him one last good time, okay, uh, along the way, okay. <laughs> uh, that's about it. Concise, short, like a Navy mustache. So uh, this is starring, like a Navy mustache, starring uh, Jack Nicholson, Otis Young, who I didn't really recognize, uh, Randy Quaid, who I'm a big fan of. Uh, Carol Kane. Now she, she was on. Wasn't she on Cheers? Something like that. One of those shows. She wasn't she like the squeaky voice chick from all the like she was in Princess Bride and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah 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 yeah. She looked a lot different then. God, um, she was nude. Yes, nude. Um, this is a uh, another shore leave type. Navy film. Um, this is a. Uh, I guess I, I, guess, I mean I guess this is a comedy as well. I guess the last one had comedic moments. This one um, definitely had more, and I think it's probably thanks to <laughs> Jack Nicholson. Mm-hmm. God, he's so good in this. Um, so I, I started to ask it last last review, but do you think Khan or Nicholson wears a stash better? Because you don't see it on either of them as very often. Nicholson. You think Nicholson's stash? Yes. I, I, he just I, – I don't know what it is. Now, he was in that – was it The Border with Harvey Keitel? Mm-hmm. And he wore a mustache now, and he just looks cool. I think James Caan – I've seen him, I think, maybe at a couple movies. But he well, it's a different style. Like uh, Nicholson's is is uh, you know right to the corners of the mouth, and yeah. I don't know what it is, but Con always has the loaf stash. He has the one with the curled <laughs> up ends, the bushy kind of bushier, yeah, yeah. And you know, the Jew fro. I, I I probably like Nicholson's better. It, it makes him look a little sleazy, and his character is definitely kind of mm-hmm. sleazy in this. He looks like a badass. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he plays uh, Badusky. Um, <laughs> That's a funny line when he's talking about his name. Everybody's say, talking about their names on a train. And um, Nicholson says, people had trouble with my name, too. Badusky. They called me badass. I'm like, what? Always calling me badass. Always calling me badass. I am the badass. Um, <sighs> this, this film, uh, I guess if uh, for, for Nicholson fans, it's just full of him just being a little crazy at times. Uh, sometimes a lot crazy. Um, but that said, I thought, I thought Quaid was really good in it too. Uh, he plays, he's very young in this. Um, I don't, I don't know how old he actually was. He's playing an 18 year old, I believe. Um, 1950, he was born. So he was only 22, 23 when this was filmed. So he he got a baby face and this is right around, I guess the time of the last picture show too. And he's definitely a baby in that one. Oh God. And didn't, didn't you see his cock in last picture show when they're swimming? They, they showed a lot of cock in that when they were swimming. But I don't know if you saw his. I don't. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I can't remember. But he does a he does a very good uh, sad bastard in this. He's usually a goofy guy, and he, I mean he's goofy. He's you goofy. Know, he's, he's like six eight, <laughs> gangly. Um, but he plays a good uh, a good sad bastard. I mean, he, he seems like a big goofy kid, and I I mean I felt kind of sorry for him. You know, this old oh yeah this old officer fucking just 
tearing them apart and yelling at them. And the handcuffs on them were so tight. They were leaving these marks. Um, I thought it was, I, I, I thought he did a good job too. So, uh, there's a line right at the beginning. I liked, uh, uh, I don't know if it was racist or not, but the guy, the one, that officer that was yelling at Quaid says to, uh, Otis Young, who his character was named Mulhall. Did he have a mule? He says yeah. to Mule, he says, I wouldn't shit you. You're my favorite turd. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's racist. I've heard lots of people have said that. I, I didn't know if it was supposed to be racist or not. So. Nah, 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 nah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like I said, Nicholson's so good for this role. And it's like one of those. It, it, it seems like it was kind of tailored to him, or maybe he made it tailored to him. I don't know, but because uh, at the same time he can seem annoyed at at uh, Quaid being goofy, but then like sympathetic to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he does a really good job at it, and he he just takes charge of the whole situation and the movie in general. Um, and uh, just to keep it uh, fresh or the uh, relevant for our show, there's definitely definite racist moments <laughs> in this one as well. <laughs> um, that bartender, particularly at the bar, yeah, he's like, he's like, now the law says I have to serve him, but not this young kid, and I that was one of the highlights of the scene for me when uh, when Nicholson kind of talks him down and then just fucking goes nuts on him. <laughs> I am the fucking shore I, patrol. I am the motherfucking shore patrol, motherfucker. Oh, that's great. He's like, whoa, there, sunshine. We're going, so you can take your hand off that horse cock you got stashed <laughs> under the bar. So it's like as I'm watching it, and this, this happens in a lot of Nicholson movies. You got to wonder like how much of it was scripted and how much of it they were just like, yeah, just assume he has a club under the bar, go from there, because <laughs> uh, you know he's good at that at the improving these weird oh, yeah. shit thing, like weird lines like that. Um, or like like when he's and I thought of you when he's like I'm, I'm uh, when they're drinking when they finally get uh, uh, Meadows some beers. Did he have a nickname? Or do they just call him Meadows? Just Meadows. When he when they finally get him some beers and they're sitting in a parking deck and he's like, I would like a drink drink I'd like to drink a toast to Batman, Superman, and the human torch. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. Like <laughs> fucking poor Quaid. He's just like, Who's the human torch? I'm like, what? He's older than like all of them. That human torch has been around since like the twenties. Um the uh Am I right about that? Did wasn't the human torch, wasn't he like a villain in the Submariner comics? No. He was like he a, was he was a the robot. Invaders. Yeah, he was a robot guy, but he he eventually became the Vision in the Avengers. But or they used the body or the matrix of it or whatever to make the Vision. But okay, here's the deal. Okay, there was this team in World War II called the Invaders. It was Captain America and Bucky, uh, Submariner, the Human Torch, and Toro. And that's when Jack Nicholson says he had this little fella that was always around with him that was the same that was toro okay. he was like a little human torch okay i never, I, never I didn't know size. about toro so I and they know. showed the human torch in the captain america movie when he went to the uh stark expo uh-huh. there's a, a there's a body in this big um uh glass tube and they walk by it's like you know uh some kind of android around, and that was human torch Oh God! Is he gonna come? Is he gonna come back in the uh, Avengers movie? You think? I'll jack off in my mouth if he does. <laughs> I'll jack off around my mouth, lady boy. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, the these two guys, uh, uh, Badusky or uh, Badass and Mule, are you know like like Zom said, tasked to take uh, take Quaid to uh, basically from I think they start in Norfolk, Virginia, and they're going up to. Somewhere in Massachusetts near Boston to take him to this 
pretty shitty Port- marine prison. What? Maine. Is it Maine? Portsmouth? Maine? Portsmouth. Maybe, maybe it is Maine. It's, uh, it, it's somewhere close. To, it's within an hour and a half of Boston. Right. Because well, they say that later on. But the um, – so Nicholson's idea – and they set this up very early, which I think is pretty cool. But um, his idea is – you know, they've given all this money. They've given us all this money to travel with. They've given us a week. It's only going to take two days to get there. Let's just, like, take him up there and then fuck around uh, on the way back. We're just like, well, we got five days to do whatever we want. We're, we'll use it as our, I guess, liberty. I actually use the word liberty in this one, too. Mm. Um, so uh, so the, they kind of uh, they grow more and more attached, I guess. Well, at least Budusky does to, to Meadows and... Uh, he starts to they start to they waste time going up there instead of coming back and um so they kind of stop they, w- with the bar scene they st- they have stopped in dc and there's a there's a funny uh scene in a, in a hotel <laughs> where it just keeps I, I like the way they that they manage time passing they'll just like have a conversation and then it'll it'll cut and they'll be have it'll obviously be later in the night and they're a little drunker and uh uh meadows has never actually been drunk before and <laughs> he's just like Looking very goofy in that one. <laughs> <laughs> the goofy, stupid grin on his face. Yeah. And uh, but I noticed those little short bottles of PBR in the hotel room. They look like red stripe bottles. I've never seen ones like that before. Um, you know, you always see PBR in a can or a bottle now, and in yeah. one of the tall bottles. But they had these little short neck bottles, which I thought were kind of neat. I remember when they had Stroh's in those little short neck bottles too. When Stros. we were like back in the early seventies. That's a trashy beer too. Nah. Um, but yeah, Nicholson's cot in that scene was really. Fun. <laughs> Really funny. I, that was another scene where you wonder if they just handed it to him and they're like, "Here, do something with this." Um, New, New Hampshire, I think. New Hampshire. Yeah, the island site was first used during the revolution when the New Hampshire militia. Da-da-da. Yeah, maybe. I thought it was Portsmouth, Maine. No. I don't, not, <laughs> Whatever. It doesn't matter, motherfucker. It doesn't matter. Okay. Um, the um, and the mule in this film um plays he kind of plays like he's going along with the whole thing and he's having fun but he kind of plays the uh the straight man to badusky's crazy crazy time um kind of keeps him in line uh and you know it's like reminds him from time to time like hey you know we got to keep this shit together this is our ass if we don't get him up here and that kind of thing and and uh and Quaid's character, I guess, I, 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 I guess I missed it a little bit at the beginning. There, it's like they're making an example of him for some reason. He, he was basically just trying to steal like forty bucks. He seems like a klepto, like he can't help himself. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, it was the, it was the, uh, <laughs> they said the, it was the, the old man's old lady's favorite charity polio box. It was like the, polo the uh, a- admiral or whatever. It was his wife's favorite charity, and uh, they had like a donation box, and Meadows stole it. And he only got forty dollars. Well, he didn't even get it. He said I yeah, he didn't even, even got the it. money. So he, the basically, they're sending him to prison for eight years. Yeah. Over yes, Jesus Christ, who'd you kill, the old man? Yeah, they're trying <laughs> to steal. We're trying to steal forty bucks, and on the DVD cover, it's like it's like a uh, no blank. No Blanken Navy's going to give some poor Blanken kid eight years in the Blanken brig without me taking him out for the time of his Blanken life. So that's on the DVD cover. So, but uh. Yeah, so the, I like that scene. It's like pretty much right in the center of the movie with uh, Mule yelling at Badass um, about you know you need to you need to cool it. Like you know we have a we have a mission. This is what we need to do. I'm, I don't want to fuck up my Navy career. This is what I rely on over you know this dumb this dumbass kid. You know, and um, 
<laughs> this is the this is where it reminded me, and I played I played this clip during the break, but the uh, poor uh, poor Meadows again. They they I think I guess this is when they either get to Philly or New York, and uh, they want to go out drinking again, and uh, they've just eaten these delicious looking cheesesteaks, man. But uh, mm-hmm. I guess it was I guess it had to have been Philly then if they're eating cheesesteaks, but uh, they're trying to figure out what to do next, and uh, and. Badass is like, let's uh, let's go get some Heinekens and blah blah blah. And poor Meadows is like, well, what's Heineken? And <laughs> he says, it's the finest beer in the world, kid. President Kennedy used to drink it, <laughs> and it totally made me think because I had just rock- I had just talked about PBR, and now they're talking about Heineken. It made me think of. Uh, hey, I'll just play it. Here we go. Hey Raymond, you get enough beer for Ben too. What kind of beer do you like? Heineken. <laughs> Fuck that shit. <laughs> Paps Blue Ribbon. <laughs> so, so that's that's the the clip from um, the Blue Velvet. That totally made me think of it after he talked about Heineken, and it also made me think uh, when he says the finest beer in the world. That actually the the best beer I ever had was a Heineken. It was a I went to a friend's wedding. I was a I was one of the groomsmen, and it was outdoors. It was in I guess it was in it was in April, maybe early May. It was so fucking hot, <laughs> and. Um, we were in we were in these big you know tuxes and all this shit, and the sun was just on us for like two hours straight. It felt mm. like it was like a hundred degrees outside, and they had free Heineken. Mm-hmm. I have never drank a beer so fast, and it was so delicious. <laughs> oh we were God. just we were just talking about it at work the other night. Um, uh, Eddie Murphy had a thing where he said, you know, uh, well, you know, if you're starving to death and somebody gives you a rich cracker, you're like, God damn, it's the best goddamn rich cracker I ever had. And since I'm like on this diet thing, you know, uh, the only thing I eat at work, like halfway through the night, I'll eat a fucking banana. And I told this people, I said, that was the best goddamn banana I have ever had. It was so good because we, it's like, it's, it's hot and everything. It might not have been the greatest beer of all time, but. Yeah, circumstances and everything. It was just like, oh, there's there's a lots of beers that I've had since then that I would say I'd like better than Heineken. But that is the Heineken. That is the beer that sticks in my mind over any other. Like I don't really remember President Kennedy. Kennedy was definitely it. I was channeling. I was channeling badass Badusky. Uh, and you watched a Marilyn Monroe movie. And I watched a Marilyn Monroe. Movie. And Kennedy. Yeah. Okay. So um, I I didn't look at the IMDb. Was that? Did I see Gilda Radner? I th- I read something that that I think that they said that she was she, yes yes she was in this okay so they she the, was that noho maringi noho maringi noho maringi chanter person yeah they they come in and like looking at this chanting part and that, uh, that's kind of a nice part too when they hear this chanting and stuff and uh, God that chanting would drive me fucking crazy it sounds so weird <laughs> but it looks like it, they she never really she doesn't really speak much but it, it was Gilda Radner totally in their group with them I don't I, don't, I mean. I guess this was this was pre no this is right this was while Saturday night right Live about was, the same time yeah, yeah. yeah so um and this is right when uh, you get the I guess the classic uh, <laughs> Jack Nicholson asking uh, asking Randy Quaid if he's ever yodeled in the canyon <laughs> <laughs> yodeling in the canyon yeah, it's like, you know what so he's talking about, he's talking about going down on a girl and he's like yodeling in the and canyon. they're they're in a dirty bookstore and he's just like opens this fucking magazines like hey meadows you ever do this before and it's yeah, like right. this fucking big cooch woman showing her oh my pain. god that was funny. and he starts going like 
<laughs> he starts doing that to a girl. Like he's like she's gonna see him wiggling his tongue and doing that, and she's gonna be so impressed. He's like, hey, you know. And then just to, and then to top that off, I'm like, oh my god! To top that off, he's talking about this girl that he met in Wilmington, North Carolina. I guess yeah. maybe, maybe it was Delaware. I don't know. There, there's navy areas in both. But uh, I guess there's one in. Is there one in Wilmington, Delaware? Is that a coastal town? Um. <laughs> I don't know. But he says in Wilmington, and there was a chick that he talked about with a glass eye. Oh, would, my God. <laughs> <laughs> he said he would pop her eye. She would pop her eye out and wink people off for a dollar. That didn't do it. That's like the punching in the head thing. I mean, that just like, ugh. Holy shit. And as soon as he said, this is where my mind is, unfortunately. As soon as he said, uh, Glass eye. I'm like, holy crap! He's gonna say something about somebody putting their penis in her eye socket. Yeah. And Christine. he said, wink people off. I'm like, wow! It even it went even further. Wink people off. That's hilarious. Well, that's the, that's the thing. Like, even with you know, like I said about these guys in in either movie, they they've been like everywhere. They've been all over the world, and and they usually no matter where they go. Now they may have seen like. Uh, uh, you know, different cultures and this and that and everything. But most of the time when they're on the ship for that long, the first thing they want to do is get off the ship, go to some fucking bar, get drunker than shit and find some kind of girl to fuck. Yeah. And um, that's like when Nicholson is talking to these girls, I mean, he has no class. He, it, you can just tell <laughs> that he's, he's just not used to being, he thinks that like, they're going to get, all excited because probably the only women he's ever around are hookers. And if he said mm-hmm. something like that to them, they'd be like, Oh baby, that makes me so hot. And he's talking to her just like a regular girl. And he's like, Yo, li, 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 li. <laughs> Oh, he has another classic line in the bars when the, the when the family chanting comes back and, and Jack Nichols is just disgusted when this girl comes, she hears Quaid chanting and she's like, you know, pulls him over to, she's like, can we come, can we talk to you for a second? And pulls, uh, pulls Meadows off into the other room and <laughs> <laughs> Nichols is like, if this guy gets pussy out of this, I'm going to eat my fucking flat hats. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so they end up at this creepy party. And I, I like when Nicholson's like, all we got to do is get rid of that silly looking creep there. And I was like, is that Gene Shallot? This guy with this gi- giant fucking white guy afro and uh, and this, this big horseshoe mustache. <laughs> I don't know who that guy was. And uh, fucking Tell me ja- one thing. Tell, you mean there's not one thing that you don't like about Nixon? He was just like <laughs> yeah, real yeah. fucking... But Badusky starts being a total sleaze ball with Nancy Allen, who doesn't. Really oh, he's have, so sleazy. <laughs> he doesn't have. She doesn't really have a speaking line, a speaking part much. But uh, she was young in this too. Mm-hmm. She had to. She had to have been early twenties too. Um, so he's just <laughs> they're sitting there, and that's the part too where he sees Meadows going upstairs with his with his lady friend, and <laughs> he just starts going. <laughs> like, what an asshole! <laughs> I always hate when friends would do that. Like oh you'd be hooking God. up, and they like a, it's so embarrassing, you know. It's like shut the fuck up. And uh, but there's another good line when Mule uh, he uh, bringing it back to earth again. He's kind of the, you know, like I said, the the straight man of the group. But he said, uh, put just laying it out flat. He said, any pussy you get in this life, you're gonna have to pay for one way or another. <laughs> I was like, as soon as he said that, I was like, you goddamn right. <laughs> I like when the fucking hippie chicks were were asking him, you know, what because they were so into, you know, um, um, being politically correct or whatever, and everything, mm-hmm. and, and the, the plight of anybody, especially the black man, and he's like, you know, don't you, don't you, you don't feel bad about it? He goes, yeah, it's man's world. 
got to do what the man says. And then he just looks away and gives this look like, Jesus Christ, I can't believe this is working. <laughs> um, there's uh, two, two lines that I guess go together. And we talked about uh, Carol Kane being naked earlier. <laughs> I like her credit on IMDb, young whore. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, love, I love when <laughs> it, it totally made me think of our show, too, when uh, they're sitting and waiting in a, in a, in a whorehouse for uh, – for Meadows and um, they're having a conversation, a serious conversation and um, Mule asks uh, Badowski if he's ever been married and he's like, yeah, blah, blah, blah. He's talking about his, his, his one ex-wife and he's like, Dottie Brown, she had great tits and wore Angora sweaters all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, and then it, 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 right after that, it goes to Carol Kane sitting there naked and I was like, wow, Kane's, uh, I said, Kane is definitely not Dottie Brown. Those tits are yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, good honor for being naked, whatever. Yeah. But man, um, she had some bad boobs, man. Ugh. Did you uh, watch the the show Taxi? Yeah. Okay. Well, she was Latka's wife. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. She. Uh, I don't know when she developed that like that voice that she started doing. Yeah. But I guess she held on to it for a while, wasn't she? In fuck it, she was in like License to Drive or something too, wasn't she? She was like the mom in that movie. She's been in a lot of shit. Um, uh, what's his name? <laughs> True to form being the inexperienced uh, young lad that he was uh, when he fucking just blew his nut right in her face. <laughs> She's like, here, let me, let me. Yeah, she was in License to Drive and she was the ghost of Christmas Present and Scrooged. Also uh-huh. very with the squeaky voice. Um, yeah, she's wanting to. I've never seen this happen in a movie uh, where she's like, here, let me check you out. And she like turns a light on and just like, I guess, pulls out his dick and she's going to wash it off before they. She touches it. Yeah. <laughs> she starts scrubbing his dick off. And he's like, oh, 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 oh. And he's done. But did, did, now, was it my imagination or, or am I thinking, didn't you see like something like come or something like hit her hair? Uh, I thought maybe. I saw I like something that she goes, oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> he's like, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> you just feel so bad for her because she's such a fucking just, oh. Uh, but, uh, you know, there's a, there's a, a I, I really like the, the last, uh, I get the, the, I guess the last 20 or so minutes of this movie when, you know, as all of these kind of road movies happen, you know, there, there comes the, there comes the part where it has to come to a close and everybody's just kind of like, eh. and this, you know, this is no different. Um, they, uh, but I really like when they have the, they have their picnic in the fucking kind of looks like the Arctic tundra. The, uh, <laughs> uh, they're in Boston and they're having a picnic and eating hot dogs. <laughs> Jack Nicholson forgot the buns, and he's like, "You can't eat a fucking hot dog with a bun without a bun." And fucking Meadows with mustard all over his face, he's like, "Oh, I think they're pretty good." Yeah. <laughs> um, and they, you know, they get, and I don't know. I like the ending of this film a lot too. So I don't want to keep on just. Yeah. Uh, so I'll, I'll let you. Yeah, know. there's so much stuff it. in it yeah. that you can just. Um, I like the. Uh, re- this movie was known, and I remember when it when it when it came out because it was known for being like one of the first movies to, if I remember correctly, to have like just a ton, a shitload of profanity in it. Now, if you watch it now with the stuff that we watch, it doesn't, yeah, you don't yeah. even think about it, but you know, you think back in the early seventies that they really, you know, for them to say fuck 
you know, was like a big thing. And I mean, I, they even they hounded the you know the guys, you know, Nicholson, and uh, you know the people making the movie, uh, Robert T- uh, uh, Hal Ashby and yeah. Robert Town, uh, to cut out like a lot of the cussing in it because I guess it just said, you know, they said the word fuck like I don't know how many times. Oh, it happens oh. in the first like minute of the movie. When yeah, he gets it. He gets You go, M.A. wants to see you. You know, come on, Badusky, it's your ass. And he goes, tell that M.A. to go fuck himself. <laughs> and he's just hammered sitting in this like, oh, yeah. lounge. <laughs> fucking drunkard shit. And then they go to Mule and he's like, you tell that M.A. to go fuck himself. <laughs> Because the thing is, I think it was almost like, you know, they're lifers and they both were like, uh, it would be like in the army if you were like a non-commissioned officer, like a sergeant, but you had enough stroke that they really couldn't, you know, it it just, they just knew that they were going to get, because they were in, uh, in transit where they were waiting for a ship or whatever, that they were stuck. So like James Caan in the other movie where they gave him the shore patrol, they're like, I ain't getting no shit detail. Um, Quaid is just so. I mean, he he just so. Um, hey, hang on a second. I gotta I gotta play this. This made me think of it before while I'm thinking about it. Let me see if this works. I, I thought of this when I when I was watching the movie too. Hang on. Mm. Mm. I wish I had more hands so I could give those titties. Four thumbs down. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry. Go but, ahead. But he, he uh, the, the character, I guess, in the book or whatever, was uh, is supposed to be like a, a little short guy. Uh, uh, like a, 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 just a small guy, not just mm-hmm, short, mm-hmm. just a small guy. And uh, Nicholson, they, they got him you know, to, the, to, to agree to do the part and everything. I think he wanted to do it, actually. And then he was making um, that one with Bruce Dern, maybe King of Marvin's Gardens or something like that. And um, so they didn't think they were going to be able to get him to do it. And they were going to have Burt Reynolds play the Nicholson part, Jim Brown play Mule, and David Cassidy was going to play – Wow. Meadows. But like I said in the book, he was supposed to be a wee little guy, you know. So anyway, that would have been something else because that set my mind to think. I was like, God, I wonder what that would have been like. If they would have kept it still, you know, with the language and everything. Um, But Quaid just does such a fucking good job Mm -hmm. because even though he's just this – you really feel for him because he's he's really fucked up. And there was one scene in it where – uh, Badusky, he just decides, you know, okay, we've got. They gave him a lot of extra time right. that they really didn't need. They could have went up in probably like one day, mm-hmm. dropped him off, and come back, and they gave him like five days. So he's just like, you know, hey, what we got to. What this I gotta time. know is though, they're the fucking navy. Don't they have just planes they can? <laughs> like, uh, I don't know. You know, seventy three. You know, maybe they just thought, well, fuck it. <laughs> but uh, they had to like just give them some money and say, here, find your own way. They have to take like civilian trains and everything. <laughs> yeah, but I'll tell you what. For for both of these movies, um, from the reviews that I read and from like some of my friends, you know, back in say like the when the video stores first opened up and people were watching movies, the people that I knew that had been in the navy, plus mm-hmm. like I said, the reviews that I read. The people reviewed it that had been in the Navy loved these both these movies because they said, you know, um, it really showed how, you know, life at that time in the Navy was, you know, uh, that I guess 
it wasn't all just you know Tom Cruise and Top Gun. He's flying in these planes or battleships and going and killing it. They said it's you know just the the, the tedium. It's it's right. just kind of a job yep. and 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 basically going on leave and how the guys act and everything. One of my friends, I remember him saying, you know, this is just dead on how the guys act, how they talk, and everything. <laughs> um, but the the one part that really emotionally got me about Meadows there was there were several parts because he's he's like I said he's a big dumb kid and they're having such they're having a good time and it really makes you feel good when when he's having he is having a good time and it, to me it almost reminded me like if my dad and my uncle took me when I was a kid yeah. to go do something and if I did something and they would almost either be proud or or be laughing because I'd do something funny mm-hmm. or stupid or whatever. and uh when uh Badusky decides that um well, hey, we get, we still have time. Why don't we run by your mom's house? Mm-hmm. So they go out of their way and go to his mom's house. So then you kind of get an insight, uh, you know, when when they show up at the house of why he is kind of the way he is, which right. is really sad. Um, because like you know, Badusky's like you know, well, I don't know, but you know, anyway, that was just a really kind of a a, a good scene. Um, Mule. Kind of gets tired of Podusky on several occasions. <laughs> he 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 re- he reluctantly goes along, and then he, and when they get, they're getting drunk and having a good time, he's having a good time too. But then he continually, Podusky's almost like a um, like a manic uh, kind of a character, right? Uh, where when he's really in his manic mode, um, he can really have a good time and 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 like I said even reluctantly the guys go along but then they are having a good time too but then it's almost kind of sort of a Jekyll and Hyde thing and you saw that toward the end where he started getting like irritated I think it was just because he knew they were coming to the end of the thing and what lied at the end of the journey there's a that part in the park is he's really yeah. good there when he's oh, yeah. it looked like he was getting ready to cry like when yeah. he's like all buried in his collar that was that was really good yeah because it was just all of a sudden when they were having the cookout he was just like you know he's usually the guy and then mule and and meadows are like you know hey come on let's let's do this and do that and and he's just like all of a sudden he just kind of turned on a dime and he was real grouchy and shit i like that and um um the whorehouse was good. Uh, the the one part where <laughs> I thought Mule almost did like a Jimmy Superfly Snooka thing, where Snooka would always whip the guy on the ropes and then come back and give him like a two handed chop. Mm-hmm. And Badusky decides he sees it. it like I said in, in the the Navy movies or stuff, how the guys always act, talk shit to each other, and it's just kind of like how they are. Um, there's a rivalry between like Marines. Or army and navy, you always hear the guys busting each other's balls. Like, uh, you know, the guy, my dad was in the army, and they'd say something like, you know, uh, uh, you know about those navy guys, uh, uh, submarine duty, twenty guys go down and ten couples come back, and shit like that. And, uh, <laughs> so, Dusky sees these marines going into a, uh, into, or I think they were army. Yeah, he the marine. I, I don't know because the marines and the navy are kind of the same. Yeah, well, they always say that's another thing where they would say, uh, you know, the the uh, Marines are part of the Navy, the best part, and all. Yeah, so he sees them going into into the head, which yeah, is yeah. you know the bathroom in like a train station or a bus station or, whatever. and he just goes in there just for 
because he's like telling Meadows, you know, don't you ever want to get in a fight and just get get it out of you? And I, I remember reading one time they said Gene Hackman was like that. Like when they were making French Connection, he got so so uh, like bound up and and tense and you know stressed out about the part and everything that they said he would just go to a bar and just get in a fight just to just to relieve you know the the, <laughs> the tension or whatever. And there, the uh, Mule knows what's going on. And he's they're standing by the um, lockers, and of course Meadows is oblivious, and he sees uh, uh, Badusky takes off his uh, gun because mm-hmm. he's on he's you know they're guarding the prisoner, so he's got a gun. Takes his gun off, gives it to uh, Mule, takes his uh, his uh, SP uh, badge off his arm, puts it in there, and Mule's like Jesus Christ, and they get in a fucking fight, and the one guy turns around, the one. Marine guy, and he goes, I taught karate or something like that. Mule goes, Shut the fuck up, motherfucker. And hits him with like this double karate chop thing to the side of the neck. Um, there were just different parts. Like it, th- this was just like the other one where it's kind of a time capsule. Mm-hmm. And um, li- just little things. Uh, like he goes, uh, Let's, 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 uh, I want to take you to this place. It's got the best, uh, best Italian sausage sandwiches in the world. And they're eating these sandwiches and they're like, God damn, isn't that good? And they're like, Oh my God, if, if only 50 cents. And it just makes your mouth water because you're oh, like, God, that was, that was, okay, that was what it was the sausages. I thought it was the cheese sticks. Yeah. Okay. And, um, then the one part, this, this one part I've always wondered about, um, because right when right at the beginning when they they get to some place and they're like man I'm hungry let's eat and it's really fucking cold out it's like zero degrees out they're standing outside this restaurant looking in it's a nice restaurant and they're just looking through the window but Badusky's like making up like every excuse he can not to go in he's like eh, it's kind of crowded in there it's kind of this and that and and <laughs> Mule's like fuck the crowd man <laughs> I'm hungry <laughs> but they end up going to like some di- little diner so I don't know if Badusky kind of felt inferior like he didn't want to go into a nice restaurant mm-hmm. and um, there were several points where like um, Meadows they they almost get forgetful about what they're doing because yeah. they're having fun and they're like not even watching him and, and you know and uh, um then there's there's different things that happen, like when he's on the train and he falls asleep, right, and then he right. wakes up and he's like, ah, you know, yeah. that, that bring him back to reality. And then Mule's constantly trying to bring Badusky back to reality, like, look, man, I consider you, you're putting us in jeopardy and all this stuff, and he, you know, I don't care what that MAA says. Um, but it was just, I... The, the just the dynamic between all of them mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Nicholson was just fucking fantastic. Yeah. I mean, and and he got nominated for Academy Award. Oh, did he? Quaid got nominated for Academy Award, and I think the picture got nominated, but none of them won. Mm. And uh, but um, just it was very realistic, and uh, <laughs> I would think that like. When you were saying about some of the stuff that that seemed like maybe it was ad libbed or whatever, when they're drunk in the fucking hotel room and he's <laughs> he's like you know teaching him semaphores or whatever, yeah, and he's yeah. like, you know it takes it takes forever to learn to do this a good semaphore and everything, and then Quay just uh, he's he's bragging about like you know how how uh, hard it is. Don't you don't worry, Meadows. It takes a long time, so you don't have to be perfect. And Meadows just does it perfect, like it's nothing. He's like. Mm-hmm. Eh. But uh, hey, hey, uh, hey, Bad Hess, could you teach me some more metaphors? He goes, who gives a shit? <laughs> but anyway, you covered most of it. And um, 
it just it's this is one of those ones I have it on VHS and I've watched it so many different times and I think that it's like I said it I'd hate to it's good because it's got a lot of funny shit in it but it's kind of a touching movie too yeah. it really is it, it it touches your heart and and just the camaraderie the friendship you know, this done really well. So yeah. I, I don't have that much more to add than, than you know, because you, you, you covered a lot of the stuff. That's cool. The uh, I just looked it up. It was nominated for Best Actor, Best Supporting Actor, and Best Adapted Screenplay. Yeah. Yep. And I don't, I don't know who won in that year, but, you know, that, 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 it, it rightfully. I think Nicholson said that that was, at that time. The Sting one. Maybe, maybe later. Oh, he said sorry, that was the best acting job he ever did. The best, the best acting he ever did in a movie was that huh. movie. Uh, that's pretty. Uh, I'm Jack Lemmon and Save the Tiger won Best Actor. Look that shit. John Houseman in The Paper Chase won well, Best Supporting chase. Actor. That was a good. Movie. And uh, The Exorcist won for Adapted Screenplay. Well, goddamn. See, right. I mean, that's the thing. I'm almost like in some ways, like either Brando or George C. Scott or something. You know, the the, the Oscars mean something, but. I mean, my God, if you go back and look at some of the – I'm not saying that some of them that didn't deserve. I'm just saying that you could have equally had you know, three or five such good performances, and they give it to one. But you look back and you're like, well, that was – you know, it's, it's not – it shouldn't be a contest, I yeah, don't think. Yeah. The, um, okay, well, I guess we can get in our scores and stuff. Uh, this one, I, I also had never seen this one. This is a one of those. I guess it's kind. Of, it's a pretty iconic, like image of Jack Nicholson without a shirt on, smoking his cigar, and he smokes a cigar every fucking minute in this movie. Everywhere <laughs> they are, he's got this. I wanted to go out and get some cigars. I know. Except it, he he does the gross thing where after it goes out, when it's about a, you know a quarter of the length that it started, where he chews on it, which is yeah yeah yeah. Ugh, I don't know how people do that. That's disgusting. <laughs> Um, because it does not taste good when it gets to that length. So, um, this was this was really good. Uh, I, the, like I said, never seen it, so I didn't know exactly. Uh, I mean, after reading the synopsis, you know what to expect, but I didn't know what it was about ever. Um, but uh, the acting carries this uh, more than anything, and I, and I liked I liked everybody involved. So, um, for this, I'd give it an eight point two five out of ten. Um, this is a this is a this movie's a buy. It's a good it's a good example of seventies like character type cinema. Mm-hmm. So so eight point two five for me. And it was uh, like the the music in this one. All you get is that. So that was better than Paul Williams singing that fucking Uh Anyway, I I agree. I'm right around the same. I I was gonna give it just give it an eight straight eight. But I mean it's it's all time. You know, it's the one. It's one of those movies, though. Like if somebody said, you know, your all-time list, um, it wouldn't jump into my head. But if I was sitting there looking at my DVDs, you know, it, it would be. I I don't even want to say what like top whatever ten, twenty, thirty, fifty, or whatever. But it's it's in there. It's an old favorite. That's why I kind of was like, hey, you know, check this movie. Mother, cool. definitely check this one out. So, uh, all right. Let's take another break and come back and wrap things up with some feedback and other shit. Good. We'll be right back. Do you 
find yourself looking for a different type of genre podcast? Do you find yourself on the weekends wondering when you will find that one film that might change your life? Well, then maybe you should check out The Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema with your host Big Willie and the Samurai. Bringing class to the trash since 1977 and rocking the house. You can find The Gentleman at ggtmc.com. Class to the trash. Feedback for you. You still, you still with me, Zone? Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, okay, I'm good. I took a sleeping pill right before we started the show. Did you really? So it's starting to, yeah, starting <laughs> to kick in. I was timing it. I got to fucking work tonight, Daddy O. I do too. Oh my <laughs> god! That, oh, that fucking three-hour movie. I'm dreading it, and I got to work a double. Uh, got to work a double. Do you watch Snowtown yet? No, uh, it's on my iPad. Oh. It's ready to go. Oh God, I am. I got two movies to watch for. I'm going to be on podcast without honor humanity this weekend too. So I got a couple flicks to watch for that. That's a good show. I like it. Jake McLarge, yeah. huge. He's large and he's huge. He is and he's so a- large, so huge. What? Yeah, that large, huge motherfucker. All right. I haven't listened to these voicemails this week, so all of them are going to be a surprise. I hope there's something disgusting in them. Here we go. Howdy, yo. Metal Mikey calling in. Apparently the understudy or the inheritor of a possible silver and gold death. Although may that not happen because obviously I am no Zom or Loaf and therefore the show would probably suck. Obviously, maybe pointedly more so because of my Zoe Gate controversy. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) <laughs> Even Cinemasochist Justin is ripping me a new one. I feel like I'm in a handicap match. People, let me remind you, I got sick over this. Zom called down the anger of the gods, and I got sick. Isn't that punishment enough for me, really? Oh, my God. But anyways, this was the commentary on the episode about Roger Ward, you know, Zom's personal buddy. And <laughs> let me, I don't have a lot to say about the movies, but... Like with the last episode I listened to, obviously Silver and Gold, 
kind of turned me on to another movie, and I really do want to check out Stone. It sounds like it's a really excellent, fun time. Although, a brief note on, not so much on Stone itself, but... I get cut off. Uh, Ain't got no power. Metal Mikey, round two. Because apparently the anger that I incite <laughs> on silver and gold is enough for me to he get might, cut off. You might be cut off on this oh, one, too. Oh, <laughs> God. I'm sorry, guys. I am sorry. Uh, but as I was saying in connection to Stone... going to get banned. You brought up the factoid about <laughs> bike snobbery. Now, granted, my father was never a biker... But he has elements of that bike snobbery in him. I mean, for years he would insist that only Harley-Davidson's are the quote-unquote real motorcycles and everything else is just sort of like crotch rocket toy shit. But, you know, that was just his perspective. And I do want to bring up two other little factoids. Number one, no wonder I'm such an effy podcaster. I podcast every time my pants on. Maybe I just need to go free-balling on a recording to see what happens with that. Free-balling. And finally, to zoom und I am truly envious of your facial hair. You've both seen my facial hair in person. It doesn't really get much further than an Eastwood-esque stubble from the Sergio Leone films. doesn't really quite get to a full beard or really even full growth. It's just like perpetual dirt lip. Oh, well. <laughs> dirt lip. <laughs> another excellent show, Stuba and Gold Podcasters. Yeah, easy. <laughs> and I will look forward to talking to you again soon. Remember, one more episode for me to catch up on. I am running this damn marathon. Boys. Do it. Yeah. Dig it. Do it. All right, thanks, Mikey. Um, I think we got another one from him. I'll go ahead and play that too. Jesus fucking oh, Christ! Finally, I'm mostly caught up. Yeah, Mikey, and I listened to the transgendery episode. Is this like goddamn uh, you know, GGTMC where they're playing all the fucking what's feedback? This, what's this about <laughs> loaf being sick? And at the same time, I was. Did loaf indeed? make me ill, or was it still just a standing theory that, you know, Zom called down the wrath of the gods of Asgard and made me ill because of V-Gate, as I refer to it as? Oh, well, what, what can you do? But Let it go, dude. Other notes, <laughs> which are becoming increasingly crumpled in my hand right now. Uh, Meryl Streep. The subject of Meryl Streep was brought up. You know what? I wouldn't necessarily say she was hot, but when I do her, boy, or you know, tie it all into Myra Breckenridge, whatever. Uh, what else do we have here? Uh, Santa Barbara's episode of Action Attraction starring one Emily from Girls on Film and Goody Cast and one Dr. Zom. Definitely a high watermark for my show, but because you could actually hear me damn talk. And because, you know, Kuma was brought up, and everybody loves <laughs> Kuma at this point. Kuma. Kuma mania. It's not the Kuma. He is just it's inflaming the nation right now. Uh, nipples and strap-ons. Wait, does that mean that you both actually like Myra Breckenridge a lot more than you say you did? <laughs> because it's much closer to the silver and gold spirit. Not much more I can honestly say about Hedwig and the angry inch outside of it is an excellent film. I mean... Quite seriously, you know, putting all the goofy bullshit aside, it is a really well-done musical and film. And I'm actually kind of curious. If either of you have seen uh, John Cameron Mitchell's other film, Short Bus, which I did catch at an art house showing, 
I mean, it's not really a musical outside of one ending piece, but it actually was pretty interesting, and I found it very involving. And I wasn't one of the people that was freaked out because it has gay oral sex in it. What? I can probably imagine some people, they're going, God, oh, you're watching, you're like, become a gay now all of a sudden. But no, that didn't quite happen. But, uh, oh, man, imagining Hedwig being played by Cameron Mitchell himself. I would support this, but only if it was done, like, immediately after he shot Deadly Prey, and then he was just in the utmost height of his sousedness that he put on the Hedwig role, that would be just cinema legend. Anyways, I told you I'd catch up with you this week, and yeah. I did it. A man always keeps his word. Now, Brother. you, Silva, namely whatever the fuck you guys are, Loaf and Zom, I'm only going on five hours of sleep today. You both take it easy. Keep up the excellent job, and I look forward to talking to you again soon. Damn. Staying up late so. listening to the show. Um... The uh, I have not seen Short Bus. Uh, I haven't seen Rabbit Hole either. John Cameron Mitchell directed that as well. Have you seen Rabbit Hole? No. no. So, um, yeah, Aaron Eckhart there. So, uh, no, I haven't seen that either. So, um, I'll have to check those out. So, I'm, Eckhart. It's cool to. He was good in uh, Thursday. <laughs> yeah, I guess he was. I mean, I like Aaron Eckhart. So, um, the. Uh, as for uh, Hedwig, it's it's cool seeing all these all the people kind of, I guess, get behind our review. Everybody seems. You to, feel like that's your it. baby. I do. It's man. nice when you really like a movie and people. I've liked it for know. so long, and it's it's cool to find. Like I, I've never really talked about it with too many people, so it's cool like to hear some. It's uh, real cool. Some communal love, so, if you will, Daddy. Be there. All right. So thanks, Mikey. Check out Action Attraction. By the way. The, the, I was fucking dying at you guys uh, Kuma talk and stuff on the on the Santa with muscles. <laughs> that was really fun. <laughs> that Emily's a scamp, <laughs> a little scamp. That was a fun episode. All right, uh, next voicemail. Hey guys, it's the Cinemascus Justin Oberholzer of the freaking awesome network here. Wanted to call Freakin'. in your latest episode. Uh, I haven't seen Slaughterhouse Five, uh, but did think it sounded. Interesting. Uh, oh, yeah, I just realized Mikey's already behind. Now he's going to be <laughs> too behind again. Jesus Christ. Sorry. Sorry, Justin. That's not a bitch. Something I put on my list to watch, but, you know, don't think I'll rush to see it, but it sounds good enough. I have, of course, seen Groundhog Day, which I actually have yet to meet somebody who hasn't, or at the very least, I've never met somebody who didn't like the film. I've met people that, I guess, I come across people that might, might not have seen it, but I've yet to meet somebody who doesn't like the film, and I personally love it. Uh, I'm with you guys excellent it's very funny it's been a little while since i've seen it, so i might have to pop back in uh so i just want to say you know you guys did a good job in reviewing it it is a hard film to review so i just want to say good job kudos i did want to also call in on the uh, jeff and matt hardy discussion quick um since loaf wasn't you guys weren't sure if jeff was still wrestling um jeff hardy is wrestling he's in tna he, he's wrestling his demons one of the pay-per-views again which actually is kind of dumb considering about well, last year he's supposed to have a main event with Sting. He was a teenage world champion, but he showed up at the <laughs> arena in absolutely no condition to work. He was drugged out of his mind, you know, taking all the you know cocaine and all that. What? And he ended up having to make the pay per view main event one minute long, which was just Sting coming in, hitting the 
scorpion death drop, if I'm correct, and then just pinning him and then walking away with the crowd chanting, this is bullshit, and then Sting going, I agree. So, and you'd think they'd wait a while until they put him back in the main event, but no. That's why TNA probably will never, as long as it's changing this way, will never really go farther than it already is because they just keep making dumb decisions like that. You don't just give him a suspension for a few months and put him right back in the main event. Yeah. Uh, as for Matt Hardy... Uh, he was also wrestling in TNA. He got released by the WWE, and now he's not. He also got released by TNA, which is unheard of, especially for a former WWE star. <laughs> uh, he's been battling, I guess, weight issues and kind of pissing everybody off. Mainly, he, he really agitated me because after, or actually offended me more and less, uh, about, uh, I guess, maybe less than a year ago, a couple months ago, maybe, when after a little shortly after he got released from TNA, he always has been trying to pimp his website, you know, which has the Hardy Show and all that stuff on there. And, and he also is always a glutton for attention. Well, one of the things he did was he kind of po- he posted a false suicide message, making everybody believe that he, he was contemplating suicide, only for us to find out it was a hoax, mm. and he was just doing it for promotion. Now, That's pretty fucking weak. In the past, unfortunately, and have also unfortunately lost a close friend to suicide, I was greatly offended by that. Uh, I'm going to commit suicide in about ten more minutes. Do, to get yourself over, and especially when he wasn't wrestling anywhere, and any attention he was going to get for that site he was getting. The only reason he did it is if he wanted the attention, yeah. and that just really pissed me off. Uh, so, yeah, they're not really, I mean, I guess Jeff's good in where he's at, job role, but he still has, unless I'm, uh, hopefully he's uh, getting himself better because he has a kid now, too, but from what I'm understanding, Great. he still does drugs. I mean, you could say he's clean, but I don't believe him. And as for Matt, yeah, he's kind of an asshole. So, <laughs> well, well, so it's a good thing that Edge fucked his woman. Making uh, making North Carolina proud there. That's really weird. Uh, at least we still got Shannon Moore, baby. Uh, and uh, the other guy? Who, who was the Hurricane? What was that guy? Shane Helms. Shane Helms. Yeah, Sugar Shane Helms. Here comes the dirty other hurricane. He's also from North Carolina, from the this area. He's just shop at the same comic book store I did. Now that comic book store the comic book store is now closed. Uh, All right. So thanks for that Justin. Um Thanks Dustin. Yeah, thank uh, thanks for the Hardy update. I I'm I I'm honestly surprised that Jeff Hardy is still in TNA. I'm, I'm shocked he hasn't like wrecked a fucking motorcycle by now. So if you would have approached Matt Hardy at Chick-fil-A, he may have killed himself. <laughs> Or, he may he may have just you know been like hey man Ooh. or maybe I would have approached him and said do you really need that chicken that fried chicken sandwich and he would have been like you know what I'm gonna go for grilled chicken and then none of this would have <laughs> ever happened <laughs> he can't afford his steroid bills now that he's out of the WWE uh, just get fat what a just fat like the rest of us speaking of which I'm fucking starving all right next voice or last voicemail here we go. Hey there, it's Emily. Um, loved the last two episodes. I'm a huge Hedwig fan, and I really liked hearing how enthusiastic Whoa. it was for you guys. Um, on to the time, fate, free will, whatever you want to call it, episode. Um, it was good choices, and I think uh, interesting movies to discuss. Um, Slaughterhouse-Five, I used to be a huge Kurt Vonnegut fan, and I went on like, a tear in my college where I just read all his books. And then I realized, other than Slaughterhouse-Five, I can't tell a single one apart because they're all very similar in the theme and humor and the characters cross over. And to me, the only one really worth 
they're all fun and fine, but I think Slaughterhouse Five is far above anything else he's written just because of the war and because of kind of the deeper meaning he's had to him. And I do think the movie is kind of as good an adaptation as could be made of right, that right. book. Um, when I was teaching English in Korea, I was teaching a like actual literature class where my dear little eighth grade Korean students had to read Slaughterhouse Five in English. So, um, well, if you think you had a hard time saying Charles Salmagor, imagine being Korean and doing it. Uh, <laughs> and so, therefore, I showed them a lot of the movie because, you know, confusing. And it's, I don't know, to me, it's a movie that could have gone really, really, really wrong. And I think you hit upon it that the casting made such a difference because with two, not strong, but too charismatic an actor in that part, it just would have killed it. Um, and the same even goes for the women in it, I think are really well cast. I love that they just went all out for the wife and they cast this kind of awful, annoying woman and all of that stuff. Um, so good job all around. Um, okay, that's all. Um, I hope I got this in in time because the last week you recorded really quickly and I didn't and I was sad. Bye. <laughs> We recorded quickly. I don't know what that means. But like at the same time oh, that we she, do every week for the same amount? She missed the feedback for last week. Because uh, she, she uh, I guess we recorded quickly. We, it only took us six hours to record instead of eight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so, uh, oh yeah, check out Justin at Freaking Awesome Network and Emily at all her various projects, Deadly Doll's House and um, Gleecast. Gleecast with a K and uh, uh, Girls on Film if they ever record again. Uh, so yeah, that's it for feedback. Well, she is. <laughs> Yay, feedback. Yeah. Um, so uh, let's get into what we're watching next week. Uh, there's been some discussion the last few weeks about magnificent bastards on our show on our on our Facebook group there. Um, and uh, one such, so we wanted to start doing a little, I guess a, a series, not all in a row, but every once in a while we'll do a magnificent bastard double feature. And uh, our first MB, if you will. Precious. Precious, yes. Is going uh, <laughs> to be Michael Caine. So um, this, uh, this discussion was, uh, it's, uh, uh, Mr. Higgins actually reminded me that that was the original Magnificent Bastard idea because we were talking about David Niven. So we'll probably do a Niven double feature in the future. Um, Brian actually chose a couple films a couple weeks ago when we talked about Michael Caine. Um, so next week we're going to cover um, two that I have not seen but have heard of. One of them I own, kind of. <laughs> uh, 1980's <laughs> Victory, also with uh, Sly Stallone and Pele. And um, it's a, a, a soccer movie so in Nazi-occupied Paris. And we're going to do a 1966 film. Uh, much earlier called Alfie with uh, Shelly Winters as well. So a couple of Michael Caine flicks from next week. Um, you can check out Brian's uh, podcast, uh, hammockus, uh, hammockus.com and other such places, iTunes and stuff. He does some good shit over there too. So, um, so yeah, Boom. next week, victory and Alfie, any, uh, anything to add doctor? Yeah, everybody call in and do their Michael Caine impersonation. Love to hear some Michael Caine impersonations. So um, you can always call us at 206-339-1600. Send us an MP3 or a voicemail there. Uh, or Sorry, you can send us a voicemail there. Or send us an MP3 or an email to silvagoldpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, 
check out our website, silvaandgold.com, or uh, uh, check us out on iTunes. Uh, and we have a Facebook group. We've officially eclipsed the 100 member mark. So Yeah, we're like 101 now. Uh, way to go, guys. I think 102. 102. Right, so. 102. Yep. So, uh, 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 <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so, uh, so check out our Facebook group there. You have to ask to join because we uh, we post boobies. So, and God, and that sailor chick, man, she's got that weighty tit, this little rest. Weighty. So that's it for us this week. Anything? Anything else to add? Anything? Nope. Anything? All right. Speak now or forever hold your peace. I feel like Elvis after he just fucking took a bus of pills, baby. So I'm just passing dead. out, and I'm about to go stick my face in a big <laughs> bowl of cheese. I fucking, halfway through <laughs> feedback, I laid on the floor, <laughs> and I'm so groggy, I can't even keep my eyes All right. Uh, until next week, this is Loaf Oot. It's just still in my arm. <laughs> this is Loaf Oot. This is Zamoot. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs>